0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, cause here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. His name is Padawan Jay. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, it is your coach. It is my coach. It's not Notre Dame's coach, but it is the coach, Coach Duffy.
1: Yeah, I, don't even, I mean, did anything else happen this weekend? I Everything is... Such a blur after Saturday. I don't remember much.
0: That's why we're going to deep dive into the land of sports here on this podcast. So definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links and so much more at ocho dot com, and always remember use the hashtag ODPH because surprisingly there was more going on than Notre a Notre Dame game. This weekend, Yeah, I'll Let's say make, those in
2: South Bend, Indiana would lead you to believe otherwise.
0: I'll just make some shit up and just pretend like I remember what happened this weekend. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but there was some other big games that happened this weekend, and we obviously kick off each and every edition of the sports edition of the podcast by recapping the week that was in the
2: nfl with our locks and leaps so pad kick us off well, i'm going to start with my leap seeing as we all took the same lock uh i chose the las vegas raiders to defeat the la chargers uh, and they did by the final score of 31 to 26 uh Derek carr 13 of 23 for 165 yards passing two touchdowns zero interceptions justin herbert 28 of 42 for 326 yards passing two touchdowns zero interceptions coach your
1: thoughts uh the Chargers, uh, well, I should start with the Raiders. The Raiders have just a very quietly good defense, uh-huh. and it's it's definitely something that will cause issues later on. Like you know, like we said, I mean, they're obviously in you know a divisional you know wild card spot, so they they definitely with that defense can uh, you know cause some issues for teams later down the stretch. And offensively, I mean. Underwhelming, you know, to say the least. And that's pretty much been the story for the entire year. Um, I mean, this is probably the first um, game where Booker has been their (laughs) leading running back, which is an interesting tell. But yeah, I mean, the Raiders are solid. And you know what? For the Chargers, just a bump in the road. I really like this team. Uh, Herbert has played tremendous since coming and taking over for Tyrod Taylor. And I think that this is something that they're going to build upon next year, that they have a good enough defense that I definitely think that uh, as the, I mean, and plus they've got, you know, Keenan Allen, a wide receiver, you know, decent running back. So they've got weapons, uh, you know, maybe just a few pieces away from really being able to push the chiefs for a divisional crown. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. um, that's, I, I, they, they will be my sleeper team next year, the chargers. Okay.
2: Pat, uh, I say it like uh, a lot of what coach said is true. Uh, Raiders good win for them. You know, They're not the flashiest team on offense, you know. Derek Carr, good quarterback, not nothing huge. You know, running game is nothing real, super flashy. Receiving, you know, yeah, they got Nelson Aguilar, you know, who had two catches for fifty-five yards and one touchdown, and then Hunter Renfro, two catches for sixty yards, no touchdowns. You know, so they got they got a few recognizable names, but again, it's nothing flashy. But that defense is just quietly, quietly, you know, making some big plays. And I and I think this is the benefit to John Gruden and that whole crew over there because they're flying under the radar and kind of playing with house money, where it's like okay. You got the Chiefs in that in that conference, you've got the Ravens in that conference, you've got the Steelers in that conference, you know, along with the Bills were playing very well, you know, and you got a lot of teams, and not just the AFC and the NFC, so the Raiders at this point are kind of like, I don't want to say forgotten, but like outside of the Vegas and I guess Oakland maybe, area, nobody's really thinking about them, and, and I think that's going to play to their benefit, where obviously whoever, because I fully believe they'll make it into the playoffs on a wild card spot, but you know, obviously the teams won't fly under the you know, You know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They won't, you know, take it easy on them. They won't, you know, overlook them. Mm-hmm. But I can fully see this team maybe getting an upset win in the first round in the playoffs. Not making it far, but just I, I can see them, you know, kind of messing around and playing with house money and getting a win.
0: You never know what you're going to get out of this Raiders team. But I fully believe that they could sneak in the final wild card spot. Absolutely. I fully do. They're playing, like you talked about, with house money, that they're not expected to get there. No. That they're obviously in the shadow of the Chiefs and that AFC West, and mm-hmm. we all get that and we all understand that. But they're winning the games that they shouldn't technically be winning. Oh, yeah. And that just kind of proves what the system is working with Gruden and company, which Honestly, I didn't foresee this happening in the season. I no. Re- I really didn't. But.
2: Especially with how bad things were between the fan base and Gruden to the point where there was that, and I don't know if it's still uh, active. There was that website with the, the countdown timer to when Gruden would leave or could leave. Yeah. You know, but the Raiders currently sitting in the number six seed in the AFC uh, conference, you know, right ahead of them is uh, Baltimore at 6 and 2. So, and they're looking good. They're looking good. And to flip the coin, though, the Los
0: Angeles Chargers. Who are the Chargers? What are the Chargers?
2: Uh the same Chargers they were even when Phillip Rivers was there.
0: It appears so, except I believe the stat is that out of all their losses this year, uh huh, it's been a combined twenty four points. Yeah, it's
1: been it's been close.
0: It's wow. Something like that.
1: Yeah, it's just coming down to not finishing games. Yeah. I mean were. that Denver game. Let's take a they, look. See. You know, they had no business losing. You know, they Drew Lock comes down, game-winning drive, throws a touchdown, you Some know, and wins bitch. that game.
2: Yeah, you're right. So the first game, they beat Cincinnati by three points. Mm-hmm. Second game, they lost in overtime to Kansas City by three points, uh, lost to Carolina by five points, lost to Tampa Bay by seven, lost to New Orleans by three, uh, beat Jacksonville by ten, lost to Denver by one, uh, and then just re- uh, lost to the Raiders by five.
0: Yeah, it's something wow. absurd. That That's nuts. For a team that is playing very much under potential, yeah, to keep losing games like this. If you flip the coin, though, they should be a lock for the AFC West title right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they just can't close. I mean, you would think with Kansas City, they should be right there, neck and neck. I mean, I w- I mean
1: Kansas City's only lost one game, right? So I mean, the Chargers definitely. I mean, the Tampa Bay
2: loss was a... Chargers should be ahead of the Broncos. Let's let's put it that right. way, right? Yeah. That's
1: what I mean. So I mean, if you when you break that down. The uh, Tampa Bay loss is a decisive loss. Seven Mm -hmm. points—that's difficult to make up. You got to score. Yeah, I'll give Mm -hmm. you that one. You know, you got to score eight minimum to be in the lead. So that's one loss. Right, that's one loss. And then I would say this—you know—a five-point loss where they were dominated in the second half. You know, and weren't the same team that they were in the first half. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's another decisive loss. I mean, I would say anything where it's a touchdown or more, or you know, five or more. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a two possession game. Mm -hmm. That's a decisive win. You know, I mean, so
0: I say two losses. Two losses,
1: though. So yeah, I mean, neck and neck with the Chiefs. But I mean, the Chiefs' one loss was. Let's be real, you know, oh, yeah. uh, definitely an underperformance by them, yeah. to say the least. Or an overperformance by those
0: or Raiders. the Raiders. Or a... an overperformance
1: by absolutely. the Raiders, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because when you look at the way that the Raiders have played, uh, you know, kind of up and down all year, you know, I mean, really the best performance that they had, I would say, besides that Chief win, was the perform- that game against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know?
2: for the Chargers, I, I got to say this is a bit of an overperformance for them just because... We don't know where they would have been at this point had things not gone the way they did. You know, had Tyrod not gotten his lung punctured in a freak accident maybe he'd still be the quarterback maybe not I mean who's to say we can't even say hindsight's 2020 here because we just don't know what would have happened but the, for the fact that you that Tyrod did go down with that unfortunate injury Justin Herbert is stepping in as a rookie quarterback in a system that you know might be what he's used to from college might not be who I, I don't know but the fact it's that, definitely not, <laughs> <It's definitely> not. <laughs> yes yeah, I mean Oregon's
1: offense versus the Chargers offense is I, I and mean, Period. College offense versus the NFL oh, yeah. offense. Oh, yeah. Two night and day. But, I mean, he's under center. You know, they're running traditional run plays. It's not, you yeah. know, the read options and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, night and day difference. But so
2: you factor in, okay, different offense. Didn't really get a chance to to learn the system or maybe get familiar with the playbook like a lot of rookies have because of everything with the pandemic mm. and not really having a preseason. So, the fact that he's keeping them in games like this, I think they're very overperforming.
0: They're definitely overperforming. Yeah. But... Also, the credit to him that he might be the real deal after all. Maybe. Obviously, everybody was saying Burrow was going to be a lock for Rookie of the Year. Not necessarily so fast, my friends. Yeah. That Herbert is definitely making a case. And I will say this, though. With the Chargers record being what it is, Mm -hmm. I don't think that Anthony Lynn should be fired at the end of the season if they keep losing. No. He's kept them in most games, but they got to do something to switch it up, though. To close that—that that is the biggest thing with this team. That they should be winning, mm-hmm. but they're not. And I think if the Chargers do make a move at the head coach position, I just think that that's a bad look. That'd be foolish. I think. I mean, I understand if they did, but I will also say, like, it just wouldn't make a lot of sense to me looking at the big picture. I don't think this is a,
1: a Jets Adam Gase scenario. You know, <laughs> where a team's just so. Disengage from their head coach. I mean, you can definitely see. And, I mean, from the early episodes that I watched of uh, Hard Knocks, which I didn't watch a lot of the season because it just wasn't the same, so it was kind of tough. Sure. Um, you can see that the players were engaged, sure, you know, man. and definitely buying into the system, which, I mean, when you're talking about having a rookie quarterback, you're going to have games where you lose, you know, those, those kind of games. And, you know, as far as the, you know, Herbert to uh, – you know, uh, burrow, you know, type situations. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure Anthony Lynn went into the season looking at their overall potential and saw, you know, their defense with Bosa and the other defensive end. And, you know, they've got a really good interior. Uh, they've got good linebackers, good secondary. Um, so I, I, you know, he definitely probably saw, you know, the potential of this team and was like, yeah, this is a this is a playoff contender. So do the safe thing, play Tyrod. You know Taylor. Uh, you know he's shown that he can be the bridge quarterback that can. You know lead a team in a transition transitional period uh to a playoff mm-hmm. you know i mean he did it with the bills um you know arguably almost did it in cleveland until they ultimately went to baker so uh, you know yeah he probably saw the safe bet in tyrod and who knows when they would have gone and pulled the switch to um to herbert Herber, you know i yeah. mean it might have been uh, after the bye week, which is coming up this week because I'm in fantasy hell right now, and I and I realize this because – The dreaded week the, nine. Yeah, the dreaded week nine. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I I saw this, and I when the draft was coming on, I said Herbert's going to be a great quarterback. And I, I knew that the Chargers got something special in this kid. And I think with a wide receiver that they have in Keenan Allen – you know, I, I don't think it's the lack of offense. No. I just think it's the lack of of knowing how to finish games. And that comes with young coaching. You mm-hmm. know, sure. I mean, sure. for God's sakes, I mean, I'm gonna fucking, I'm going to talk about Notre Dame in the next segment and how they were, you know, in big game matchups and, and close game matchups, you know, not able to finish stuff, you know, and finish games. And that's just – that comes from a lack of, of – uh, being there and a, a lack of experience and just a lack of general trust in your X's and O's.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm just looking at some stats currently as we record uh, where is he? There is uh, Justin Herbert is number 10th in the NFL in terms of passing yards. That's insane and you he's know, only played four weeks. He's ahead of Drew Brees he's just a little bit behind Aaron Rodgers. so you know you lend credit to that but then you look at these just the overall uh, in terms of yards per game they are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th in the NFL for in yards per game with 284.4 Yards per game. Uh, just Dallas, Atlanta, Kansas City, and Seattle are ha- ahead of them. Uh, and then in terms of uh, passing yards per passing yards, they are you know top of the league. You know three thousand three hundred and sixty. You know teams such as like we mentioned Kansas City, and then you got Arizona and San Francisco ahead of them. But then you look over at the defense, you know defense is a little eh, kind of middle of the middle of the pack but i don't like i said i don't think you can fire their head coach just because with the injury and not you know expecting to play herbert maybe this point in the season and just they're performing overperforming i'd say
0: no they're definitely doing a lot to try winning they just haven't figured out the way to lock it in and that's that's gonna be a problem that they got to answer moving forward Obviously, they got some time going into the bye weeks. And I have to make a stat correction. This is week nine. See, this was my bad week for fantasy football. Uh, okay. Next week is week 10. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is – I'm in fantasy hell. Yes, because week 10 is absolutely going to be killer for any fantasy bye players. Bye, week, hell. Yes, because the Chiefs are on a bye. The Cowboys are on a bye. Atlanta's on a bye, so that only hurts some people. And I know it will really crush some that the Jets are now on a bye. So, let's Coach – let
2: us talk about your leap. Let's yes, so state the fact that he should have stuck with his original leap. Yeah, we yeah, we, we yeah, did offer I that. Have.
1: Uh, well, so my original was going to be the Giants, but I, you know, I went away from that and just went on a limb. You know, I mean, they covered the spread, which you know, uh, in Vegas is a win. So yes. I'm still in my head counting it. Uh, <laughs> I picked the Patriots, or I picked the Jets to beat the Patriots. And uh, they were pretty close.
2: Pad, go ahead. Yeah, so New England ended up winning by the final score of 30-27 to 27, uh, with Nick Folk hitting a game-winning field goal at the end of regulation. Uh, Cam Newton, 27 of 35 for 274 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and then Joe Flacco, 18 of 25 for 262 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception.
0: So where do you go from here with the Jets? I mean, I mean can you go anywhere?
1: No, you. I mean, there's only one... There's one. I mean, this was their best peak performance that they're going to get. This uh-huh. was their one opportunity yeah. to seize everything they've ever wanted, and they just let it slip. I see what you did there. Thank uh, you. Well played. Uh, no, so, I mean they they had everything going for them this game. Flacco was looking like a wizard out there. You know, harnessing his old. Uh, you know. Baltimore Raven days, the wide receivers were playing well. Frank Gore was able to carry the ball.
2: And didn't they say something in the game? I could be wrong. Wasn't this the first game the Jets all season have had their top three receivers playing? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that went to their favor.
1: Defense was look. Defense looked great in the first half. Um, you know they were limiting Cam Newton. Uh, Greg Williams really dialed up a great game plan. Uh, another stat that I heard is that the Jets' entire defense is filled of undrafted mm-hmm. rookies. Yeah. Or free agent players that yeah. were, that were. Cut. Yeah. Yeah. Not even guys that were, you know, on free agency and they signed free agents that were cut. So I mean that's just I mean, Greg Williams is, you know, making literally, literally making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Uh-huh. Um and then to flip it to the I'm not, I mean, and I already talked to the offense. So to flip it to the Patriots, damn dude, Cam New Ngu- Newton's Ngu- not a good quarterback. I'm sorry. I know 27 to 35 looks good, but I watched the big stretch of this game and all of those passes were inside the numbers and not you you got to be I mean they even talked about on the 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 broadcast. Greg Williams was daring him to throw it outside the numbers, mm. especially late in the second half yeah. or late in the uh, first half, uh, late second quarter and it just the accuracy of those passes are bad.
2: Well, and Cam's never been known as a passing quarterback. He's always been a running quarterback. Right, but I mean, Jesus. Like I also y- think I also think the fact that yet again uh because I don't think the guy they traded for Miami played or even started. They had an entire team of undrafted players going and none of their normal guys so that definitely worked against but i think it just goes back to like i said cam's not a passing quarterback And, and watching that game you know i was amazed he got any passes off as many blitzes as you know uh williams was dialing up there yeah
1: well i mean that's why you you pass block and even brian greasy said that it almost looks like cam doesn't trust the offensive line because he's not settling his feet in he's not he doesn't know where the protections are going and that's an issue too, and I mean something that you wouldn't is an uncharacteristic thing of a Bill Belichick coach team. But um, I don't know. I just I, I I root for Cam Newton. I want him to be good. I love the things that he did at Auburn. He's a ton of fun. The early years of Carolina were magical. You know the the Superman, the whole Kent Caboodle, the oh you know the play. Oh watch this, and then the wheel route to Christian McCaffrey. I mean all that shit's great. Mm. But I mean when you get to the crux of it and you really boil this thing down, you watch it. It's just I mean. It's just not
2: good quarterback play. Well, and I think in regards to the offensive line thing, I think they've had the same starting offensive line from start to finish all season, maybe once or twice. Hey. They've had they've had offensive line injuries like you wouldn't goddamn believe.
1: Listen, I get it. I fuck. I'm a Giants fan. No, I know. No, I know. <laughs> I mean, no,
2: I know. No, I know. Anybody want to talk the line? It's me. I but, I, but I also think this is kind of, again, goes back to what happened with the preseason and pandemic and not having, And Lord knows if they even had a f- normal practice like they, they normally do in a normal preseason. Yeah, but let's talk about week one to week now. Oh, well, yeah. sure. Yeah. No, I'll give you that. But he, Cam has been, you know, he didn't say it initially, but he's come out since and said, listen, I'm not, I just wasn't grasping the playbook. Like, sure. I am. I, I'm still not. I'm still getting my feet under this. I think, given the fact that, you know, were there a normal preseason and everything that could have gone the way it normally does, they might look a little better. There'd still be some growing pains because sure. new quarterback, new system. New quarterback, always. new system. I mean, they talk about this with Tom Brady, and, and maybe part of the reason Brady struggled earlier in the season to where he was playing at least up to this still week. Still fucking struggling. What is? Uh, still you know, looking at shit. Well, this yeah. is this is what somebody was saying prior to this game. Yeah. You know, where it's okay, you go to the, on this team. You know, your old team. You know, the call for some plays like red twenty or red twenty eight or whatever it is. You go to the other team. Oh, it's not that. It's some other play. So you. You've been calling the same you know thing and the same whatever for you know five six right two.
1: the vernacular is different but the yeah. outcome is still the same it, you're yeah. you
2: know you're everyone every, human beings are you know have tendencies to just do the same thing and they're used to it or whatever so retraining your brain to not do that takes some time and I think that's a case here
0: I think that there's a couple different factors going on with Cam Newton in this one I think we've all touched upon he's not feeling comfortable behind the offensive line sure that I think there's some underlying factors going on there and he has never been the passing quarterback. The only year that he was ever great is when he had Norv Turner working with him. Well, I mean, yes i I don't want to crux him as that though, because he does throw. And when he before the shoulder injury threw a very good ball. I no, I, I agree with you there, but it's just that was the year that he really was coming into his own, and he's never been right since. Sure. And where I also don't think he's been right this season is when he was put on COVID protocol, and he was gone. Yeah. That yeah. stretch, he has been a different quarterback. He it's he, been day and night. And the other thing too is, I don't he
1: he's grimacing a lot. Yes, I, I don't, don't know if anybody. 100%. I don't know if anybody's like they didn't talk about it on the show. And I mean, I know I'm only this is pure speculation, but I and mean, I know he got fucking
3: whacked. Yeah, he oh, like yeah. that one he hit, that shots. one
1: hit that he got by that safety on that uh, nickel blitz. Yikes! But even before then, like you just see because they're not running him as much. No. Which is definitely a sign. I mean, outside the Bills game where they did, they definitely didn't this game. And even in the Bills game, when he got up, it's definitely like the he's not playing at 100. It's that 40 no. year old man getting out of bed, like oh shit, I'm stiff as hell.
0: Type getting up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the you know I'm spring, I'm handspringing out of bed. You yeah. know, yeah. I think that there's some underlying factors going on there as well. I think he's still hurt, Could and be. I think he's definitely showing it. That I don't think that he is being very forthcoming about his injuries. And well, and he never, he he never was like yeah. that. I mean, even in Carolina no, with I, the shoulder injury. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that this is where it's coming back to haunt him Could be. big time because you can see the drop-off in play. It's very evident, and especially for a very bad Jets team, which, I mean, granted, mm-hmm. I always say this on the show, and I mean it. It's rivals. It doesn't matter how bad your team is. Your rivals will always step
3: up to oh, face yeah, you. Oh, yeah, and
2: especially when Gilmore didn't play, Lawrence Guy didn't play. So they said on the broadcast that there was some notable subtractions from that defense that weren't pandemic-related. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the there, were, there were some holes and there were some guys who hadn't played all year that were on that defense, and it showed. I mean, Christ, what was it? Jackson, the cornerback, blew three plays and gave up at least three scores, Yeah, you know, before he made the miraculous interception. Yeah.
0: It goes to show that, I mean, obviously, the, the Jets were trying to win this. At least it looked it. Mm-hmm. And then the Jets became the Jets in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's no other way around yeah. it. Yeah, The Jets are who we thought they were. They are awful. They need to implode this team.
2: They're leading rushers, 37 years old.
0: Exactly. The writing is on the wall that they have definitely checked out. And obviously, Oh, they, fuck. Yeah. They're, I
1: mean, emphasize the checked out. Yeah. I mean, literally, this team had everything and just – died down the stretch they
0: had them on the ropes and they let them off yeah that, i mean that just that's that's a team that has shown quit yes, you know that they, they didn't even want to win this no i mean that was just no. the perception of this that they got up there and it was like oh shit what do we do now yeah and, and they and they had nobody taking a leadership role to no. try finishing and this. they
1: talked about that too in the broadcast that you know it's players you know they hear the rumblings that you know the uh Fall on the draft board, the lose on purpose, and all that stuff, and you know the tank for Tua and the, or the tanking for Trevor, and they hear all that, and you know as players you have pride, but you also can just see that you know there is, no, I mean, I don't know if it's a we're you know I don't think that these players are worried about tanking for Trevor because mm-hmm. they're probably nine ten of nine tenths of them not going to be on the team next year, but it, it's definitely a thing of you can just tell that they are not involved in whatever Adam Gase is doing right now.
2: No, and it's surprising that nobody is stepping up to really take the leadership role on that team because Joe Flacco okay, yeah, it's his first year with the team but you've been around long enough that you know, you command a bit of respect. No, it's not, you know, a Tom Brady, Drew Brees, right. you know, elite level quarterback, but he's a very good quarterback. You, you know, everyone respects the hell out of the guy. Otherwise, they wouldn't want to play with the guy. Or hell, Frank Gore. The man is 37 years old and well out playing, you know, the shelf life of an average running back. You know, you figure somebody like him would step up and kind of rally the troops, but they're not. And they're sitting here, 0 and 9. Christ almighty, I don't know how they're going to get a win because they're remaining they got a bye week this coming week. The rest of their schedule is the Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, uh Rams, Browns and then the Patriots again to close the year out.
0: They got a
1: shot against at the Chargers n-
0: at New England. No, not against. Where's the Charger game?
2: Uh it's in it's at, at uh, Los Angeles. Because no.
0: th- it goes to say the unwinnable object meets the <laughs> unclosable force. You, you you never know. I'm saying that one might be a winnable one. Yeah, I'm
2: saying Cleveland just because Christ yeah. knows you don't know who's going to show up. Oh, no. I Cleveland's mean, there.
0: There are a couple games, but as it's been touched upon, they obviously have mentally quit. Oh, and yeah. They had, they had the Patriots on the ropes, and they couldn't finish them.
1: I mean, when as you, as a fan, like as a guy who is a Giants fan, so he's in the same market, so he sees it. Mm-hmm. Christ, like, I this is the pain that I felt with the years with McAdoo and Schumer. Yeah, like, this is that frustration. It's like you know, the fucking problem, yeah, mm-hmm. the common denominator is coaching. Yes, like, okay, yeah, there might not be a ton of talent, but at the end of the day, this dude, I mean, is supposed to be an offensive guru. This is the most points they scored all year, yeah. They have a 37-year-old quarterback who, you know, Sam Darnold's career is in question now because of. Yeah, I mean, what happens to him next, who knows, because of what Adam Gase has done to him. You know, essentially Mm -hmm. damaged goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you let arguably one of the, you know, best running backs in, you know, the last 10 years in the NFL come to your team. Yep. Get sloppy, basically. Mm-hmm. So he
2: did fuck all with him. Yeah,
1: and then you know messed him up mentally to now where he signs with a contender and is getting outrepped by Darnell Williams. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, so you have literally taken you know chicken salad and he Adam Gase has turned to chicken shit. Yeah, I'm
2: killing these puns today. I mean, killing them. It, it, it's just mind boggling how Gase still has a job. And, and it's it's that's the frustrating part. And, that's and, what and, I was getting and at. The only reason I think he even has a job is because that what was it that successful year with Peyton? Well, yeah, I mean, he that's... That one, he had that one, and I saw a stat, for it was from a broadcast, I think it was on a Fox broadcast at some point. Every offense he has been involved with since he left Peyton in the Broncos has been like 31st or 32nd in the league. The
1: The thing is, is that, like, when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, sure, mm-hmm. it was a la when Peyton went to Denver. Sure. The difference is, is that when he went to that team... They were like,
2: throw out the playbook, what do you want? This yeah. is
1: our playbook. What would you like and what do you want to get rid of? Because you can make the decisions. And that was cool. You know, like, you you got it, Peyton. And then that last year uh-huh. was probably the last year where it was like, Peyton probably deferred a little bit more. Probably still had his hands on sure. the playbook, but sure. they ran the ball a lot more. Sure. You look at Tampa Bay and what's going on with uh, Brady, it's – it's very Yeah, similar. it's very – well, it's not as similar because they gave him the playbook and said, learn this. Yeah. You know, and so you talk about, you know, what you had and what, what I was getting at here is, you know, Gase was given, you know, this gift by having this veteran quarterback come on a year and just – Kill it. I mean, that was the year that he led the NFL in touchdowns and broke the season-season the record for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you become the hottest name in football, and then all of a sudden you go from there and you have minor, you know some bad years, sure. and you just chalk it up to – well, I mean, uh, I just didn't have the talent that I did when I was in Denver. No,
2: it's because you're just not a good coach. It's also mind-boggling, just to use, again, your Peyton example, where he went to Denver and was like, hey, basically, throw out the playbook. What do you want to do? Because I had to look it up. Uh, the Buccaneers' offensive coordinator is Byron Leftwich. Sure. Had a okay career in the NFL. I'd say so. If yeah. you got two quarter, quarterbacks, you know, one currently playing, one formerly playing in the NFL, and you're the head coach... Who would you rather go with for what plays you oh, should do? Oh, it's or- not.
1: This isn't Byron Lefkowitz. This is Bruce Arenas.
2: Yeah. Well, He's sh- I mean, Byron Lefkowitz is shackled
0: right now. We, we can get into that a little later. Yeah. What I mean it was similar is you had an aging quarterback that yeah. is Right, is right. Yeah. Incline, yeah. And your head coach is just deferring any kind of blame from it. And, right. I mean, oh,
1: he – I mean, it is a miracle the fact that – and this is the other thing that I don't get either is once he deferred Play calling to the offensive coordinator in, you know, Gase with the Jets. Mm-hmm. That should have been the, they put up three points that game after. Yeah. That should have been the, you defer, you gave away play calling duty and we still can't score on offense. Mm-hmm. That's what Bill O'Brien got fired for. Mm-hmm. I'm deferring playbook, you know, play calling. Okay. Uh, Brian, Bill, what are you doing then?
0: He's not doing anything, and it shows. Exactly. And then he's just waiting to get his pink slip. Come the Monday after the last game of the regular season, and that's too.
1: That is too long. Yeah, I mean that. What that tells me as a Jets fan, you know, sitting on the outside watching, is you are purposely trying to lose these games right now, and not even making an attempt. Oh no, no. It, it's very, that's what I would see.
0: It's very evident, and that's why they're going to be the bottom of the AFC East moving forward. The Patriots are going to be the Patriots and still got some work to do and they're going to be looking up right now at the leading Buffalo Bills who pulled off my leap in a very highly contested game I got to say. Mm-hmm. I sure. G- I I got to say this pad you got those stats. <coughs>
2: Excuse me. So, yeah, Buffalo ended up winning by the final score of 44-34. to Uh, Josh Allen, uh, 31 of 38 for 415 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Russell Wilson, 28 of 41 for 390 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions.
0: Coach, your thoughts.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't really think that this shows, you know, the actual telling of the tape of this game because, I mean, the Bills look great. Yeah. And, I mean, this was pretty much – all bills, especially the first half, you know, the second half, obviously Seattle kind of climbed in a little bit late in the game. You know, they had that really good third quarter, but this was definitely a game that the bills had their way with the Seattle team, which, you know, again, I think, and this is a game where Seattle had Jamal Adams back uh, the first game that they played with Carlos Dunlop in the lineup, you know, the trade that they got from Cincinnati. And, you know, so here you think, all right, Seattle's finally going to have some pieces to fill the gaps defensively that they were, uh, having issues with in all the other games that we, you know, the Arizona game comes to mind. Right. The Dallas game, even though they won that game, you know, their defense did not look the same in that game uh, without Jamal Adams. So now you're sitting here and you're like, all right, you know, all these pieces are here. They're going to go into Buffalo and they're going to play a full team game and have it on both ends. And defensively, they just are terrible. They're just not good defensively. And it's it's a puzzle piece to me because they have the pieces to be good. Absolutely, I mean, good for Buffalo. This oh, is a yeah. great win. This yeah. is this is a, this is a yeah. win. I mean, you credit to you for picking them as your leap because you. I mean, you said in last week's show that this was a game. This was a must-prove-me game. Yeah, this was mm-hmm. a show-me what you really have, and for Buffalo to go in because this is a game that Buffalo easily could have lost because of the way that they have performed against teams that are of the same level or on or better than, mm-hmm. and they, a game that they lose. You know, the Kansas City game comes to mind, you know, so
2: for them to come in and put the shellacking by 10 points, credit to Buffalo. I mean, I got two things about this game. One, this just lends further credence to my belief, you know, uh, that if you have some terrible thing happen with your family, you will play inspired ball and torch the shit out of the other team. Uh, Brett Farr, when he lost his father, went into that Monday night game, Mm -hmm. four touchdowns in one half the Ravens receiver who i forget the torched the absolute shit out of the Patriots on Sunday night football but then as we found out after the game uh Josh Allen's grandmother had passed away the day before so thoughts and condolences to his family you know he comes out you know 415 yards passing three touchdowns you know no interceptions and beats you know the Seahawks who are everyone is penciling as you know the number 1 team in the NFC Russell Wilson you know favorite for MVP uh award you know they come out and do that but i think i think the other thing too is I don't want to say they got lucky, but I think they just came out on the right foot where, Ken, you and I were watching the game, and, and it definitely seemed like Seattle coming out to start the start the game. They seemed a little off. They weren't clicking maybe as, as well as they normally would. I mean, uh, putting up no points in the first uh, quarter, definitely uncharacteristic of them.
0: Yeah, no, this game definitely was the Bills must win. And mm-hmm. they needed yeah, a it statement. To yeah, it was a statement win against yeah. a playoff contending team. And also to touch upon, the Bills fans raised $100,000 for the Children's Hospital in Buffalo in them. honor of Josh Allen's grandmother. Good for them. So I definitely want to shout out Bills Mafia about that, that they really stepped up for they this. They do
2: more than break tables.
0: Yes, they do. And, I, I mean, that was just something that Josh was playing with a lot of emotion. Yeah. And from the moment they got the opening kickoff, I mean, they ran right down the field and they were playing smart football, which they needed to do. They were definitely getting the passing game going because for all of the greatness we talk about Seattle, mm-hmm. their defense for passing is dead last
2: in the NFL. Uh-huh. So jo- certain people out where we were watching should have learned. Yes. Yes, they should have. Why aren't the Bills running? The Bills why are why are they passing so much? Maybe because Seattle has the worst passing defense in the NFL.
0: Yes, because they also stopped the Bills' greatest draft pick of all time, Zach Moss. With 18 yards, even though he did get a touchdown.
2: Well, thank God they watched out for the onside kick with nine minutes left.
0: Oh, the stories we could tell.
2: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. But getting
0: back to the serious commentary, though, the Bills played a solid four quarters, which is something that I've been screaming about for the longest time, that Leslie Frazier adapted to the defensive changes that he needed to do in that third quarter because— when Seattle started getting
2: some momentum, and let's mm-hmm. face it,
0: they were going to do this. DJ, it's, like, it's
2: like with Kansas City. You know, you can only hold—it's like when the Patriots were playing Kansas City. I'm sitting there watching the game going, you need to put up points, guys. You can only hold Mahomes for so long. They're going to go off at any moment here.
0: Yes. So once they, Russell Wilson started connecting with DJ Metcalf a little more, the Bills adjusted, and they played smarter football on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And it's what they needed to do, and they never took their foot off the gas. I mean, they did struggle offensively in the third quarter.
2: Yeah, I would say only three points. Because
0: you know what they tried doing? They tried running the ball, and and the Seahawks were shutting them down. I Mm -hmm. mean, when you take a look at the entire rushing stat line for the Bills, Zach Moss had 18 yards, Singletary, one yard. Yeah. I mean, that kind of seems a little crazy to think because I thought he was running a little more. And then Josh Allen had 14 yards. So they weren't moving the ball on the ground. But what they did is – Josh didn't go for the home run pass, and that was another telling sign, too. He was throwing enough to move the chains. And when he had eight receivers in the receiving mix all getting touches, this was a big deal for them. And this got everybody involved in the offense That Seattle, struggled to to neutralize everybody. Because Singletary, I think, was getting a little more string passes because he wound up with 33 yards pass. Right. So – Or receiving. So when that is clicking, you're definitely going to make some moves. Yeah. And they definitely shut down... D.J. maccalf to the point where he didn't dominate the game and take over. Still I mean, had a great game: seven oh yeah. catches,
2: 108 yards, one touchdown. Which thank you for my fantasy team. You know, but to your point, though, no. I mean, you you saw what happened when the Bills started trying to run the ball more. Because I'm looking at the stats here. uh The Seahawks are one, two, three, fourth in the NFL, only allowing 83.6 rushing yards per game. Yeah, and then in terms of passing yards per game, they are dead last in the league, allowing 362.1 passing yards per game. Atlanta's ahead of them with three hundred
1: and ten point three. Oh, Atlanta's winning something. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough though because you know you have to run the ball. Yeah, you know you can't you can't avoid it. You can't not you know do it because oh, sure. I mean sure. you as much as you you don't want to say oh you know that, that those stats you still got to get you know a you can't become you know obvious with your intentions of offense sure but you also. It's a way to move the clock.
0: Sure, mm-hmm. that's Incomplete,
1: true. incomplete pass to stop the ball, you know, and stop the clock. So that's a it's a tough. It's it, you know I I get where you guys are, are coming from um, because it's like the numbers don't lie. Yeah, you know what I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like if you you know throw four hundred times, but two hundred are incomplete you know, and you're stopping the ball, you're stopping the clock, you know, and you're going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Mm -hmm. You know, you're giving the team opportunity to score. So, I mean, yeah, second and nine isn't as good as maybe second and three, which you might get, you know, with uh, being able to throw the ball. It's just the likelihood of, of, you know, a a completion is a lot less likely than, you know, running the ball a yard.
0: Yeah. And it's something that they need to work on too. And I think that's one part of the offense, especially – the offense coordinator is known for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, to run the ball and has not done that this season well. And obviously Moss and Singletary are adequate backs, they're a good one-two combo, but where they should have been running the ball in the third quarter with more success, they just weren't. And that's why they had to go back to the pass in the well, fourth.
1: I I mean, to me, I would probably try and leverage more zone reads, you know, ma- you know, zone option reads with with um Allen, mm-hmm. you know, being mixed in the run a little more. I know I in the NFL level to run, you know, read options are a little more difficult. I it doesn't need to be pure mm-hmm. read options. It can be more of the designed look read right. options where you still have to free, you know, that defensive end still has to respect Kyle a- Kyle Allen's athleticism mm-hmm. that you know, if he goes, you know, and runs by you, you're going to get shit for it in film. Yeah. Um and honestly, you know what with that? I mean, even maybe some speed. O- I mean, Stefan, you know, Diggs is a weapon that should be utilized in all oh, sorts yeah? of facets of the game. Why not, you know, some speed, you know, some uh, of those uh, fucking not wheel routes. They, it keeps popping in my head, but those speed runs, yeah, you know, where he's coming in motion and he's taking the hand off. I mean, even even stuff like that
0: might help them free up you know Moss and Singletary for up the middle. They do that a lot with uh, McKenzie though more. Okay. So Diggs they kind of keep primarily on the outside. All right. But well, yeah, you, but, you the, no, but no, but I understand what you're saying with that and it's not a bad idea. It's just Dabble does not like to dance around with that sure. too much. So it's just a uh, what team are you going to get to show up? And this one like I say is a great win. I'm not trying to downplay it at all that they stepped up to a contender They showed that they belong in that conversation. I'm not saying pencil them in for the Super Bowl just yet. There were a lot of, I will say this, a lot of the uh, Monday morning quarterbacks Mm -hmm. were already talking about that, and I'm like, slow down. This is not the time to say the Bills are going to be locking up the AFC East and punching their ticket to the Super Bowl just yet. This is a great win. Don't get me wrong. I'm extremely happy about it, but... There's still some work that needs to be done, and they got a big test next week against Arizona coming up. Penn Pad, you got the rest of that schedule? Yes, yeah, so I got
2: Arizona. They got a bye week in week eleven. After that, they close out the year at home against the Chargers. They travel out to San Francisco to play the Niners. Uh, this is a big, this is going to be a big one. Uh, week fourteen, they are at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night. Uh, week fifteen, they play. They travel out to Denver and play the Broncos. Week uh, sixteen, they travel up to New England and play the Patriots on Monday Night Football, uh, and then they close out the year at home against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, which at one o'clock, which playing in Buffalo in January? Yeah, i give that one to the Bills.
0: Oh, it gives. I hope it's a blizzard that day too. <laughs>
1: Do
2: you I, really?
0: Because uh, you
1: want to, don't you? Want Allen to be able to throw the ball?
0: He'll still find a way to. He's, <laughs> he's going to be used to that. Tua, not so much. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, I mean, the only saving grace they would have is they put Fitzpatrick in, but he's already checked out too. Either way, I'll. I, I gotta say, I'm happy with the Bills' progress. I can't be mad. And obviously, if you're going to be contending with the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got to be winning games like this. Mm-hmm. So let us go to our overall lock of the week. Yeah. Had, break it down
2: yeah so we all chose the pittsburgh Steelers to defeat the dallas cowboys although i think we all thought that this would be a lot bigger or wider of margin i guess you could say uh but the pittsburgh Steelers did end up winning by the final score of 24 to 19 ben roethlisberger 29 of 42 for 306 yards passing three touchdowns no interceptions garrett uh gilbert 21 of 38 for 243 yards passing one touchdown one interception coach your thoughts
1: uh, my thought is I should have looked at the overall schedule and realized that this what had a letdown written all over it. As they're just coming off of that big emotional win against a division rival, physical game, you know, in Baltimore, you know, you're riding the high of, uh-huh. of, of that win to then come into a bad Dallas team thinking this is going to be a cakewalk. And Dallas played a very very good football game yeah. compared to what they've played as you know, especially post. Um, Dak Prescott, so mm-hmm. really should have looked at the big picture shit instead of just seeing ooh Pittsburgh's undefeated playing a bad Dallas team. I'm gonna jump on this. Um, and Pittsburgh still played well down the stretch. I mean they got uh, Roethlisberger going um, later on. You know Dallas was daring them to throw those underneath routes, which you know the big physical wide receivers that pittsburgh has especially chase claypool who you know they were able to uh catch these underneath routes and then make them you know get first downs and then get out of bounds um you know late in the game were huge um and they still you know for all that being said almost let dallas get back into the game you Mm -hmm. know later on so hats off to dallas this is probably the best game that they played all year especially post post stack yeah and um you know pittsburgh undefeated still and looking good
2: definitely. Yeah, no, definitely uh win, good win for Pittsburgh. I know some fans might be a little nervous or like, "Oh, the, you know, we should have won this by morning." Yeah, you should have. But, you know, with with teams that go undefeated and I'm a little familiar, there are there will be games in that season where, are, are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh there will be games in, in those seasons where you have a run like this where you go 8-0, 9-0, 10-0 or whatever it is, where if things get a little close. Things get a little too close for comfort. things don't quite go your way. I mean, the one that comes to mind for me was uh, when the Patriots went into Baltimore on a Monday night football game. And if it wasn't for like a toe tap catch from Jabbar Gaffney at the end of the game. We wouldn't have won that game in Baltimore and would have lost, uh, you know, the undefeated uh, record at that, at that point. So there will be tests like this, and, and so far Pittsburgh is stepping up to them. You know, we will see where things go. You know, uh, there was an announcement today with some of the Steelers, uh, most notably Ben Roethlisberger getting put on the COVID nineteen list. Now, whether that's a you know, I don't if I read right, he hasn't tested positive, but he was near somebody who had, it, so he's con- yes. he's considered a high risk. But I was also reading this could be a Matt Stafford like situation where he's on the list now, but he could end up playing by Sunday.
0: There's a lot of variables that could happen with the Steelers going into the next week, so you just definitely got to keep your ear out for what is happening with them.
2: I'll tell you this much, though, it, and I'm not saying he will, I'm not saying he won't, but you know, hypothetically, if Ben doesn't play this coming Sunday, uh, they are playing the Bengals, uh, they, might, they might lose that game.
0: Here's a wild stat just from personal experience. Uh-huh. The Steelers never cover the spread after Election Day. Really? This is something I know personally from when I've gone out to Vegas. I wish
2: you would have said this.
0: I just, you know what, because early uh, voting threw me off this year. Uh, Okay. But this is something, because this is usually when I would make a trip out there. Uh, Okay. The Steelers never cover the spread no matter who they face against. See, because I would have
2: chosen differently with that.
0: Yeah, it it hit me after. And it's just something that's clicking about this team that they should have absolutely mopped the floor with Dallas. But Dallas playing with enter name here hung in yeah nearly won the game it's a really telling sign that you just don't know what team was going to show up in pittsburgh might i don't want to say they lost focus but you almost have to think they did
3: no Um, uh, it's a little bit a little bit
0: i mean when garrett gilbert is lighting you up
1: i again i just think you chalk it up to the fact that i mean you got it you think you came off of a tough Physical game Sunday against a division rival, you know, we talk about division rival games all the time. Yeah. And then you win that game. You're on a high. You're A-no, you know. You're sure. traveling to Dallas. You see, you know, they read the paper. They see the spread. They know what's going on, you know. They see that they're 13-and-a-half-point 13, 13 favorites, you know, and they're sitting here, and they're like, Ch-, you know, oh, we're gonna, this is gonna be a quick game, you know. Mm. Roethlisberger's like, shit, I might be checked out by the third quarter, you it's know. Like, I it's mean,
2: it's like when the Patriots went into uh, what was it, Washington, and they put up like fifty. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean that's that's the type of thing. I mean, players know they know what's going on, so here they are. They probably took it lightly. I'm sure practice. I mean, they talked about how uh, the defensive tackle didn't practice till Wednesday mm-hmm. or til not, thurs- practice till Thursday. Practice till Thursday because no, they gave him they, they gave him the day off. The time, yeah. yeah, they gave him time off because they knew how physical the Baltimore game was. So yeah. you know the turnaround time is difficult, and all these things, all that shit, just it adds up. Then you talk about the the that stat where they haven't covered a spread. You know. Uh, post-election I mean all those things add up to what we got here which was a down performance
0: it's something I definitely want to research I I'm not going to say it's a a fact but I know personally whenever I've had to go when I've been out in Vegas during this time period, Steelers have never covered the spread no matter who they face and how bad the teams have been I say
2: I also know this was only the second time I believe since 1990 I could be wrong on the year, but I know the rest of this is true uh this is also the second time since at least 1990 that Dallas have been or underdogs at home
0: yeah, it's a wild stat to think about. But for Dallas, I mean, obviously, underwhelming season continues. And McCarthy, I, I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the Dude, year.
2: Dude,
1: it's not looking promising. No,
0: I think he's gone. I think Anthony I, Lynn is safe, but I don't I don't think McCarthy's good as gone. I just – I honestly
1: – I don't understand. I And, I mean, I know that the injuries are there and everything. But, like, when, you know, Jerry Jones, I think, looks at this team and he looks at the overall performance of everybody mm-hmm. – I mean, I don't understand how you don't say this is the same team we had last year. Yeah. This is the same underwhelming, underperforming team that we had last year. Now, part of this is on him for not going out. I mean, well, I guess they did, you know, they went out and got Andy Dalton, who they thought, you know, was going to be, you know, a solid backup who, you know, hasn't really, has also underperformed. But at the same time, you know, you've got. Uh, the offensive weapons that you do, you know, you went out, you spent a first-round pick on CeeDee Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, you know, the the tight end's pretty good. Ezekiel Elliott got paid, you know, so you've got the weapons offensively and you just – you're underperform. I mean, 19 points is not what this team should be putting up offensively. No. They should be putting up stupid dumb numbers.
0: Should be 40 a game. Yeah,
1: without and regardless of who's that quarterback because they should be able to get these guys open and get them in space. And yeah. they're not. And, and, and the problem is, and it's always
0: been – the defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. their defense is obviously lacking, and that's the reason. It's it's like a typical Green Bay-led team by McCarthy. It's exactly. That is literally he. It is Green Bay 2.0 yep. minus Aaron Rodgers. That's yeah. it literally what this is. Exactly. Where Rodgers would make up a lot of those mistakes for him. Unfortunately, you don't have it with Dak going down and a revolving door at, at yeah. your quarterback position just because of injuries. It's a weird thing to watch from the outside looking in, but for Dallas, I mean, the ship is sinking badly. I'm this trying year. to think of, like, when's the
1: last time Dallas had, like, a truly feared defense, and I, I think it was Wade Phillips. I think At he least. was the, was the last know, the time. J-
0: the Jimmy Johnson era when Wade was... Or no, no,
1: saying? no the the second time. Oh Wade the second was there time, when they had okay. when they had the two defensive ends? They had the uh, Marcus where the and whoever, and then they had the safeties. Yep. You know, and Sean Lee was a young Sean Lee. Um, you know, still in his prime, and they they had the other linebacker. I mean, I, the names are escaping me. I mean, I've seen Dallas enough. I probably should know the names because you know they were dominating the Giants. You know, in that time, Tony Romo at quarterback and stuff. But the defense was very very good. You know, the defense was what kept them in games you know yeah. the offense would sputter but the defense was always there um and i'm pretty sure that was wade phillips who was there um you know if we're if dallas fans if you think of anybody you know else let us know i can't I'm sure dre's gonna hit us up i think this. there i think there was one other defensive coordinator after wade phillips that they had a good year and i i'm like nolan is popping in my head but i don't think it was him so it, i know there might no, have been one other season him. but it's marinelli just, marinelli yes because they ran the
0: three four I, th- I think his first year uh, when Marinelli was
1: yeah there. so yeah I, I, so they've had solid teams it's just it, I just I don't get it they're just shortcomings you know and they should be better and Jerry Jones should be pissed because this defense I mean honest to God Jerry should just not be the the general
0: manager I no mean, but he, he's gonna hold him back as long as he's got that position yeah
1: he I is I mean, yeah. yeah. mean
0: they dig their grave with him
1: yeah.
3: I
0: mean he, it is what it
1: is yeah you want to you want to put a good comparison to Jerry Jones. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Thinks, think they have a temperature for the room yeah. and have no idea what's going on. We're fans, relying sir. on the wonder years and the glory years of uh, days past.
1: Yeah, and surrounding yourself with yes yeah. men who, you know, oh, yes, you know, because when they drafted C.D. Lamb, yeah, I mean, he's fallen to 17-18. Like, that's a great pickup because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was high on a lot of people's draft boards. Yeah. At the same time, you already have Gallup and Amari Cooper. Did you really, and Ezekiel Elliott, did you really need to go and spend a first-round pick there? Or could you have gone and gotten one of the secondary or defensive line pieces that were available?
2: This was also the same owner that, let's not forget, I forget what year it was, Coach, you might remember, that when Johnny Manziel was in the draft wanted to move heaven, hell, and the afterlife Oh, know, yeah. To move t- they- t- t- to get Johnny Manziel because he was super high on Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel is the second coming. He's the next great quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Where's Johnny Manziel now?
1: Yeah, that's that might be a little nature versus nurture though, because yeah. I mean he could have gone to Dallas and actually had a great career. I mean, going to Cleveland, you're. I mean, listen, I'm a Notre Dame fan, believe yeah. it or not. And Brady Quinn going to Cleveland killed him. Deshaun Kaiser going to Cleveland killed him. These guys were solid quarterbacks that could have performed well on better teams and better circumstances and got sent to Cleveland to die. I
0: don't know with Manzel. I do agree with you about. Um,
1: I, I'm yeah. Listen, yeah, I'm Man, not saying. Yeah, no,
0: Manzel. I think was just. I'm a just different, saying it could cat. have been.
1: It could be, like think about it. that. Think about how bad those Cleveland teams that Johnny was I'll, on. I'll give no. I,
0: I will give you that, but I'm just saying with Manzel though, I think he's a different cat, and I I think he was struggled in the NFL period. All right. No, that's just my take on it. Like All I right. think he would just have struggled. I think
1: you pair him. You know, at the time they had. Uh, Shit, they had Joey Galloway would have been still yep. in his last year at Dallas. Then they had um, the other big had another big, Des Bryant. You know, was his other wide receiver. They had you know um, Jason Witten. So they had pieces there. You know, so now you pair him with them. Yeah, might have been a little bit different outcome than when he was paired with wide receiver with.
0: I mean, who I, yeah. knows? I know, I know. Joe Thomas was their offensive tackle. That's the only all-star that I remember from those teams. I will give you that, but like I say, I'm going to stick to my guns about this one. All right. I think Manziel was just a different cat that I think that he was a great college player, but I don't think he was ever going to be a great pro.
1: But at the end of the day, though, our assessment of Jerry Jones doesn't have a feel for the room is 100% Oh, that's correct. fact. That's uh-huh. fact.
0: That's, you can't argue that.
1: Because again, they there was defensive players that were taken late in that first round that easily could have been where they took CeeDee Lamb, or you know they could have traded down and still landed somebody. And no, they opted for CeeDee Lamb. Which listen, I mean, he torched the Giants that week. I mean, no, one hundred and eighty-six sure. yards. Sure. That's a great. You know, I mean, it, he's going to be worth the investment. But at the same time, it's like you need pieces defensively,
0: and you didn't get them. Yeah, it's just something that Dallas has lacked. This sense of the room for many, many years, and it's uh-huh. coming back to haunt him now because. Two and seven in a winnable division. Let's face it; they can I still win. Still, they're, wish still they're still in it. <laughs> they're still yeah. in it, which is yeah. wild to say. Yeah, they still have a lot of work to do, and I don't think they're going to get it done. I just don't well, know.
2: And just shout out to Jim Nance for the funniest line of the weekend uh, when they had a, like a, a, a blimp shot of AT and T Stadium, saying, "Oh, some like to call it Jerry World, or as other people like to call it, the house that Tony Romo built," uh, which got a laugh out of me. Or, yeah,
1: they said something He said something else to because uh, this is obviously you know many of times that Pittsburgh's traveled there and. He he made another reference to Tony he was like, Yeah, the last time Pittsburgh was here, you know, the Dallas team was led by uh, you know, this guy who was a quarterback, he was alright, you know, the Tony Romo guy. And it was funny because like on the flip side of that, you know, I obviously watch a lot of Fox and you gotta hear Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, and mm-hmm. you just hear the, the fucking Back
2: like, in my day, this is yeah, yeah, what I've done. It. All you hear is
1: that uh. and oh, oh Troy, what would you have done, you know, back in the Dallas days against a team like this? And it's like
0: shut up. No, Rome, like Tony, oh man, Rome was so great. good. Rome was great in the booth. Fuck. So let's wrap this week up with a quick roundup, uh, two minute drill. Coach? Sure.
1: Um, well, the Giants are going to win the NFC East. Uh, they are the best two and seven team you've ever seen in the NFL history. I don't understand how or what this team is because that defense put on, I mean, and I get it, like, Washington offense isn't great, but that defense played lights out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have plugged them in against a lot of other mid-level teams. Like, I want to see that defense play Philly next week. That I want you literally just to pick up and move that team into the Dallas game because they will, f- they will rock Philly. They will dominate that game. I will take the Giants and take the under because the Giants defensively are going to dominate the shit out of them. They are... Very good defense, Leonard Williams, I apologize for every mean comment I ever said about you. Wow. Because I said a lot of mean things. Wow, yeah, you did. I said a lot, a lot of mean things, and I'm sorry. And you're going to leave in free agency now, and Gettleman might have been right. I said it. Oh, my God. I said it. Who is I, this? I, I, listen, it's a contract year, so maybe Leonard Williams is chasing money right now. And he sees the green in front of him. But, you know, I'm just saying he's played very well. And Blake Martinez, kudos to you, sir. I mean – I knew that Green Bay signing was going to be huge, but he's leading the NFL in tackles. He's got like 85 tackles. The dude's all over the place, mm-hmm. fucking covering the entire field, covering line, covering wide receivers, covering tight ends, sacking quarterbacks, sacking the run, you know, tackling the running back. I mean, this dude is a man possessed. What a great sign that was. And then you know the secondary, uh, James Bradbury, Gettleman again. So you got two out of me. Might have been right there too because James Bradbury is a dangerous cornerback. You know they you know how many times they target him in the Washington game? Once. Once. They threw one pass to James Bradbury. One. That's insane. That is Daryl Revis. That is Deion Sanders. That is like that elite of a cornerback type numbers. And he got cut in Carolina. They threw at him once.
0: That's a That's wild. nuts. That's wild. That's
1: insane. Like you don't hear that anymore. You know, you never hear of a corner, all right, we're game planning to avoid this man. Even when the other corner sucks, I mean, yeah, the wide barrier, Yabarum, who was an undrafted free agent, is bad. But, like, to only target a guy one time, kudos to you, James Bradbury. It's going to be an interesting offseason for the Giants. Well, I mean – now that they're out of this Trevor Lawrence thing and they're going to win the division, yeah, it's going to be real weird. Yeah. I don't know. You know, they're going to be picking, like,
0: 15th, and I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, I don't know exactly where you go from here. But, but. we'll
1: have a sweet NFC crown to hang uh, and an NFC East banner to hang, which will be awesome because, you know, those are sweet. Those count, right? Yeah. I mean, people uh, people still like those. Is, is this is facts. I guess. This you is know, first-round playoff exit is cool, too. Yeah. I like those. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen them plenty, you know. I get it.
2: Yeah, got to talk about the New Orleans Saints putting the absolute whooping. Oh my God! On the Buccaneers, final score thirty-eight to three. Uh, shout out to Sean Payton and the amazing dance skills he put on in the locker room Yo. after the game. If you have not seen that video, look that up. That is incredible,
1: dude. I almost switched too because Aaron and I were talking before the game about that pick, and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, I I might I might switch to Tampa Bay, and then uh, you know I saw the all whites, you know the uni mm, the unis, uh-huh. and I'm like. I'm sticking with the saints.
2: Yeah, no worst career, worst loss in Tom Brady's career, 209 yards passing, no touchdowns, three interceptions, Uh running game had absolutely jack shit going for it. Ronald Jones. The second was their leading rusher. Three carries for nine yards. Uh, receiving game was all right. Nothing special. Four catches, 64 yards for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, three catches for 41 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had six catches for 41 yards. No How touchdowns. Antonio Brown play three catches for 31 yards, no touchdowns. I, uh, Uh, Are the Buccaneers overrated? Yes. Because let's face it, this is a team playing Madden with the budget turned off and forced trades turned on. The fact that you have some of the most elite receivers of this generation in Mike Evans, you know, Antonio Brown, say what you will about his character, he is a very good wide receiver. Sure. When his head's screwed on straight. Gronk. You know, they've got Gronkowski, who is one of the best, if not the best, tight end of all time. You can have that conversation until you're blue in the face. I will, because he's not. But, you know, okay. know. Cameron Bray. You know, but so Howard. yeah. I mean, You're but then, you, but then you flip to the stats. Okay, in total offensive stats, they're middle of the pack with uh, three thousand one hundred and forty-one total offensive yards. They're middle of the pack in terms of passing yards per game. They're middle of the pack in terms of uh, rushing yards a game. They're middle of the pack in terms of receiving yards, and then they're uh, b- b- middle of the pack in terms of first downs. Like for all of the offensive weaponry, Andy, my God. They go five wide. Who are you going to cover? They're not playing
0: well. They're not playing well. Tom Brady looks like the 42-year-old that Mm -hmm, we thought he was. Mm -hmm. He's having that fall off that Peyton was doing his last year in Denver. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I said it earlier this season. I'm sticking to my guns about it. He's
2: looking 43.
0: He's looking 43. He is not the Tom Brady that was in Foxborough all those years. It no. is father time has caught up to him. He'll win you some games. Yeah, and yeah he'll have sure. Some, he'll have some moments of brilliance. Sure. So did Peyton his last year, sure. too. But this team is not doing it. I'm sorry, Bruce Arians calling him out after the game? Yeah. The dysfunction uh-huh. you're seeing with this team uh-huh. can is we horrendous. Can we also talk about
1: why Bruce Arians can't wear the fucking power pack around the waist? Like, what is that? Why does he got to wear it like a seatbelt? It's fucking obnoxious to look at. I mean, he's obnoxious to look at. He is now my second least favorite person in all of football, to Dabo Sweeney, which we will get into next. But, dude, I fucking see this man, and I'm like, ah, yeah, Ugh.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm no, just, I mean, I and I just think this. You know, did it hurt to see him go? Yeah, but maybe this was just another instance, and maybe I should have remembered where Patriots have let longtime players go. And they're just not what they were when they were in New England, and maybe it's a maybe you can chalk it up to a different system and whatever. But you look at back when Richard Seymour was with the Patriots, yeah, mm. he, he had a very good career. Left, never quite the same as when he left, you know. And then the other one that jumps to mind was oh fuck, he had, uh, what lawyer
0: Malloy did the same thing yep, when they uh, what him? was it
2: uh, Deion Branch, mm-hmm. never quite the same, you know. And then uh, shit uh, got the interception in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. Malcolm Butler, oh. you know, Malcolm Butler had that great interception, had that great performance in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, got benched in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, I want to say it was. and then he's left and never really quite as you know, lived up to the, the 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 magic and the luster of what he put on in that Super Bowl. Maybe this is just another instance of, yeah, they wanted to keep him. Yeah, they didn't want to give him quite necessarily the number of amount of dollars he wanted, but maybe they saw the writing on the wall as they have in the past with former players that. He's just not the same, and they let him go.
0: I will give the Devils their due every time. Belichick and his team evaluate talent like nobody else. The fact that they got rid of Brady, and obviously this season has been the underlying story of who's going to get to the playoffs first, New England or Tampa Bay. Belichick is smelling like a rose here.
2: I'll say Tom Brady for his stats. He has 2,398 yards passing, which something's got to be wrong on the ESPN site because it's saying it's 150-plus, so that can't really tell where his that uh, place-wise there. Uh, touchdowns, he has 20, which is tied for 17th. He's got seven interceptions, which, again, it says 150-plus, so whatever the hell that means. Uh, and then QBR is 67.4, which is good for
0: 16th. It just goes to show that, obviously, Father Time has caught up to him, and there's no shame in saying that. No. The problem is when everybody is saying that Tampa Bay was supposed to run away with this uh-huh. and you can't even make it out of your own division in one piece. Everyone's
2: crowding them Super Bowl champs. Yeah,
0: we didn't crown them. I said they were going to make the wild card, and I still think they could, but they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. They're not going to get anywhere close. This team lives and dies by Tom Brady, and if you are talking about a guy that is forced to get into a shootouts with the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, it's not going to end pretty at this stage of the game. No, I think I'm, if no. you talk about a team that
1: has defensive ends and a defensive presence that can rush the passer, they're done for.
2: Oh yeah, because yeah. he can't move. Because the blueprint for how to beat him was set years ago by the New York Giants, mm-hmm. and the team has not. You know, the team has changed, but the method to beat him has not changed. Blitz the absolute shit out of him, and you'll give him fits all day. We've seen it. You know he's just not looking the same. He can't. The ball doesn't have the same zip. He can't throw it as far as he used to. Yeah. And when two of your primary offensive weapons are run deep and catch it, kind of not going to work out all that well.
0: No, it's not going to work out in your favor. And this is where you're starting to see the house crumbling a little bit.
2: We'll say because currently they are the number five seed in the NFC conference. So and uh, Arizona is the sixth. So I believe they'd be playing Arizona. You know what? If it came down to it, I could see Arizona pulling that one out. I could, too. It just depends on what Brady you get and if he has uh-huh. one more flash
0: of brilliance. But let's face it. He's had some good games this year, some being the key
2: word. Yeah. Consistency has definitely not been in the equation. Let me, let me put it this way. If Chandler Jones were playing for Arizona, oh, he'd be in trouble. And, and I'd, I'd skew that, that meter a little towards Arizona side because yeah. he'd give Brady fits all damn day. Yeah, But is, since Chandler's not playing for Arizona, it's kind of closer to 50-50.
0: This is a situation where Tampa Bay is getting exposed and the fact Mm -hmm. that you're seeing Arians comments, which like I say yet again, mind-blowing that you want to just throw this on your $50 million quarterback who is still guaranteed money whether he wants to play next year or not. Mm -hmm. All signs are pointing to trouble here. Uh And this loss was a bad loss. And definitely next week, I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to bounce back. You would imagine they would. They'd have something left in the tank for it. But They are not going to be putting up any statement wins anytime soon. I'm sorry. When you lose this badly to your rivals, and this is the benchmark that they are set against to. Sure. In the NFC South, you need to beat New Orleans. New Orleans has been the standard there for how long now? Uh Uh-huh. You need to beat them, and if you're not beating them, guess what? It doesn't matter what you're going to do because you're eventually going to have to run into them in the playoffs at some point.
2: Well, so here's the next uh, three upcoming three games, because they have a bye week in Week 13. Their next game is uh, in Carolina this coming Sunday. Uh, the line on this, and this is very telling, is Tampa Bay by 4.5. Oh, that
0: dropped. Yikes. Uh,
2: the, week af- the week after they're uh, staying at home and they're playing the L.A. Rams, uh, where there is no line as of yet. But then uh, in Week 12, on uh, th- which I can fully see this getting flexed in those uh, Sunday night football Uh, week 12 they are at home against the Kansas City Chiefs
0: oh that'll get flexed just for the names Uh that'll get flexed Tampa Bay is in trouble that's the easiest easiest takeaway from it but for New Orleans they're looking like Super Bowl contenders you can't say they're not they came in there they looked the part how they go forward is anybody's guess. Sean
2: Payton's got the best dance moves in the NFL.
0: They capped off a wild weekend of NFL action, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about Week 9 in the NFL? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com.
3: They Called This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time.
1: Hi, this is Tyler from Second Souter, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand I'm doing the best I can, but not as good
3: as I wanna be. I Just wanna get it. I just wanna comprehend that I have to make
0: amends. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to give coaches due. I'm honored. I am I'm speechless, Ken. Thank you. Yes. Uh this is the uh noter game that we were talking about earlier. Ah. <laughs> so, Coach, we are going to let you talk college football. The floor is yours. Well, I mean, there was only one thing that I particularly want to talk about, and that was you know,
1: the number one team in the nation, Clemson. Coming into Notre Dame, you know, one of the big, you know, matchups in college football history, you know, with a team that number one coming into, a you know, a top five opponent, you know, in Notre Dame. So, you know, they've had these games before, whether it was Miami, Florida State, Alabama, you know, they've had these big time games, Georgia, you know, a few years ago. So the USC, you know, in 05, which definitely has, you know, imprinted in my brain. But, you know, Notre Dame has these these type of games that's why kids go to you know notre dame um to play in these kind of games and you know pad go ahead and and do the stats like you would normally
2: yeah so notre dame ended up winning the game by a final score of 47 to 40 ian book had 22 of 39 for 310 yards passing one touchdown no interceptions uh dj i won't even attempt that last name i I fucking practice in the car.
3: uh
2: Ui Agalai. Sure. Uh had 29 of 44 for 439 yards passing, uh two touchdowns, no interceptions.
0: So this game obviously had a lot of underlying moments going on, obviously. People waiting
2: for it to go over so they could watch Saturday night live, that yeah, sure. Cuz well. this game ran to what? Like eleven, like
1: 11 four? Like for, So let me take let me take you on a journey, guys. Sure. Let
2: me let me take you on
0: my night cuz do, do we have to give the Sounder the warning? No, period? no, no. This okay. is
1: this will be all right. This will be So I uh Uh, watching this game i mean i i dubbed it the all hands on deck game in the duffy household you know this is this was a big time big time big big deal um and you know so the first quarter you know nordame gets possession of the ball and kyron williams breaks you know like a 40 yard run uh to go up seven nothing and i initially was like holy shit nordame is in this game they are in it because that was not happening in the thirty to three loss that Notre Dame had to Clemson in the Sugar Bowl, you know, a few years ago. So, I was like, "Holy shit, they're in this game. Like, this is a reality." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they they go down, you know, and they have a few possessions where, um, you know, they they kick field goals, and uh, much to your, uh, Buffalo uh Bill's friend uh you know I was saying they gotta score touchdowns because mm-hmm. you can't you know go and, and have a team here and settling for three points because ultimately they're they're going to be able to break it you know and they're going to score touchdowns. so you know ultimately that is kind of what happened here and and Clemson did kind of crawl their way back into the game um and and all of a sudden you know now now it's you know it's a game you know mm-hmm. and and We go into the second half, and uh, Notre Dame lets their foot off the gas a little bit. Ian Book has a soul crushing. And well, I guess I should backtrack because, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, they announced midway in the beginning of the game that Bayern's going to be given a presser and the game's going to be moving to USA. Mm-hmm. So I was in a panic because I was like, when is this going to be happening? So, um, you know, NBC did a tremendous job, though, uh, of coverage. So kudos to them. I will get into something else that happened, though, later on. Um, so then Clemson, anyway, get back on it, uh, com- comes back in the game, and now they're winning. And Ian Book has a soul-crushing turnover that I was like, Notre Dame's going to Notre Dame. That's what they're going to do. This is, this is this team. This is... This is exactly what this team is. They just, in big moments, come up short. You know, I'm thinking back to the Reggie Bush push. I'm thinking back to the Clemson loss. I'm thinking back to the Alabama loss. I'm like, the wheels are going to come off here. Mm. But the defense, they hunkered down. You know, they settled for three after that turnover, or actually, they punted on that, which then Nordame, you know, gave Nordame the opportunity to come back. And ultimately, you know, push this game to overtime by an uh, absolutely tremendous drive by Ian Book that left me off my feet. I was screaming. Thank God I didn't wake up any of my kids. I was shocked. Uh, Ian Book to uh, Avery Davis to tie the game. Uh, Ultimately, then going to overtime uh, and and winning the game. You know, on on a hell of a throw by Book. to Avery Davis again And you know Notre Dame Pulls out a win um, Credit to You know The the Notre Dame team I mean Kyron Williams played A lights out performance As a running back Um, They, Clemson, you know, and their defensive coordinator, you know, they're known for, for pressure, you know, for blitzing and throwing all sorts of different kind of blitzes. And Notre Dame's offensive line, let's face it, you know, is one of the best offensive lines in the nation. That's what, you know, Notre Dame's done for the last 10 years, you know, from McGlinchey to Quentin Nelson to Ronnie Stanley. I mean, there's some like stupid stat out there that Notre Dame offensive linemen in the NFL right now are making like over $200 million in the NFL right now. So they're paid. Yeah, you know?
0: Well, they're obviously stepping up when they get to the big game. So, I yeah. mean, that's, that's the thing. When you are leaving college, you definitely want to carry on and progress. Yeah. and Notre that, Dame's I mean, been turning them out for a yeah, I mean, that's line. what they do. And, um,
1: so these guys played a great game. But Kyron Williams picked up the blitzes. And, I mean, there was times that he absolutely got obliterated mm-hmm. in picking up the blitz. But what he did when that happened was Notre Dame, you know, the, he picked up the blitz and the guy blitzing him wrecked himself by crashing into him because Kyron Williams was basically just a crash test dummy, yep. just hit me, you know. And they were able to give Ian Book time space and you know to me I think Ian Book put himself in a position where you know he might not be uh, the sexy quarterback you know with all the stats but the guy's a winner and I think he's put himself in a pretty good draft position Uh and I just I, I can't I can't even begin to go into the emotions that I had especially in the second half of this game late in the fourth quarter because I was on pins and needles there was an offensive pass inter- or a defensive pass interference call which I don't know if you guys saw any of the highlights but a corner jumped uh, Skoranek's back and basically pushed him down. They put the flag, through the flag, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, all right, pass interference, thank God. First down, Notre Dame. You know, this is late in the game. This is a third quarter. The This was a third and ten when they needed a first down. They threw the flag in front of Dabo Sweeney's and the Clemson bench. Dabo Sweeney throws a temper tantrum. They pick the flag up and called it no pass interference. Mm. And, like, you know, the Nordain podcast that I like to listen to, you know, and they made a really good point here is how do you throw the flag and then pick it up just because you're doing it in front of the Clemson bench? That's egregious. That is bad refereeing. That, I mean, you have to call it. No, I agree with you. You I mean, throw the flag, you have to call it, especially when a corner plays the ball through a wide receiver's back. That's the definition of pass interference. So that got no called. Uh, so I just, you know, I was, oh my God, you know, it is just a mess. Um, and then, you know, credit and also credit goes to Notre Dame's defense because they held Travis Etienne, who is one of the best running backs in the nation, going to be a top 10 pick mm-hmm. th- for sure. This kid is a game changing running back from the pass plays to the, the running the ball. They held him 27 yards
0: and obviously no Trevor Lawrence,
1: no Trevor Lawrence. Now, listen, go ahead, throw that asterisk out there. We can get into that conversation. No, no, I, ju- I just, yeah, I,
0: no. Cause my question was sure. If Trevor Lawrence was in this game, yep. How do you think the game would have been? I think it. I so in I in all don't, honesty, yeah. In all honesty, I so
1: I've I've played the scenario through my head because what they were still able to do, and uh, DJ Uga Oogle, is a very good freshman quarterback, mm-hmm. and. Trevor Lawrence was also a very good freshman quarterback, so I, I don't think it's fair to tag this as well. You know, they were playing a freshman quarterback because this freshman quarterback happens to be one of the best-rated offensive quarterbacks in the nation in the last ten years since Trevor Lawrence. You know, so I mean, to obviously Trevor Lawrence is soft. You know, junior. You know, yeah. The 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 potential of the game would have been could have been different, but what I will say is Notre Dame beat them up in the trenches. In the offensive line, the defensive line, Notre Dame was just more physical than them. So while Trevor Lawrence may have been able to make more plays and the game plan may have changed
0: because his arms would have been, I still think Notre Dame wins this game. Coach, I gl- I'm glad you're sitting down. <laughs> I actually agree with you. Yeah? All right. No, I, I think that from the highlights I saw from this, because obviously I was on Twitch during the game. Sure. Notre Dame beat him up in the trenches. And I think that when they... I have not seen Notre Dame get that physical in a long time. No, They rose to the occasion for this one that I thought, even with Trevor Lawrence being out, listen, any time that you have a top-tier program, you're going to have a backup that's just as good as your starter. Exactly. So you you can't exactly rely on, well, Trevor Lawrence was out of this. Because I know that that was the narrative that was going around. Listen, Clemson is loaded with talent sure alabama is loaded with talent ohio state is loaded with talent so it's always next man up with those programs exactly so for anybody that was saying well you know it's a difference it is but it isn't right and obviously the game would have gone maybe a little different like maybe a couple different choices would have happened right some uh, offensive play calls would have been different
1: nordame's game plan of of you know maybe focusing on ETN wouldn't have been the same, but that's what Clark Lee, who is the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, has always done. It's always been uh, he has the mantra of the I'm going to choose what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I you know if they focus on stopping the run, they're going to stop the run. Yeah, and Trevor Lawrence may have thrown for 400 500 yards, but you better bet ETN wasn't going to get his. And that was the old, you know, that's almost, if you want to compare it to basketball, how, you know, people used to stop the Lakers. Yeah, uh, We're going to let Shaq go off. You're going to get 50 tonight, Shaq, but Kobe's only going to get 15 or 20. And he's going to have to shoot a lot to get there. And that's what Clark Lee does. I'm not going to let Travis Etienne beat us, but I'm going to let DJ Ugali or Trevor Lawrence throw for
0: 400 yards. That's fine. I'll accept that. We'll we'll take that L, But
1: you're not going to get to run the ball tonight, and that's exactly what they did.
0: I, yeah, I thought it was a perfect game plan for him. And obviously I knew with the Trevor Lawrence thing that obviously everyone was going, oh, well, that's a big difference. Yeah. Look, look, it is, but this isn't the pros. Right. Where if you take out the starting quarterback and you're stuck with a backup that's been holding a clipboard forever, it's, it's a little yeah. bit of difference. I, mean, I,
2: I think if this game, were, were the margin of victory by Notre Dame would have been further apart, you could have that conversation. Yeah. But let's face it, Clemson still... Fucking put up 40, which yeah. that's nothing against Notre Dame. No, not at all. But the fact that you had DJ Uglele, or however you say his name, mm-hmm. come in on maybe a week's practice. Well, he played
1: but, Boston College the week
2: before. You know, yeah. comes in comes in and puts up 40. I, I think... You can't really have that conversation. Like, yeah, you can sit there and wonder, and that's the fun thing to do, but I think you can really have the conversation really look at it were it, like, more than a three-point – or, excuse me, seven-point win.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is just something that you have to go on figuring out because this has been the history of college football. Yeah. That you always had quarterback debates. Like, obviously, let's throw to Alabama when you had Hurts and Tua. Right. Obviously, that was a highly contested Mm -hmm. And Tua
1: was a freshman when he came in and won Uh that national title, you know?
0: Right, so – that's just the most recent example I can come up with that you've had a quarterback come in and play well and almost won the game for him. I mean, let's face it, this game is a lot closer than we're probably making it sound a little bit, but this goes to show that. Oh, Notre this was Dame- a highly contested yeah. game. Don't get don't get yeah, that yeah. twisted. <laughs> yeah, no, but this yeah, this was definitely not a runaway game. But for Notre Dame to step up and punch him in the mouth, that's the telling story to me. Yeah. Like that was something I honestly coach, I did not think they were capable of. And they mashed him. And when you shut down Travis. That was a big, big win. So my, my favorite thing, and I just
1: heard this actually driving over on that show, uh, was you know the, another one of the sports writers that you know works the beat for Notre Dame was talking about how a friend of a friend was watching the game and he's blind, mm-hmm. so you know he you know has to hear or he's deaf. I'm sorry. So you know he's reading the captions and everything, but at one point he saw Travis Etienne go up to Dabo Sweeney and say to them, "They're hitting us too fucking hard." Yeah, when you quote unquote, you know, I mean, so when you have a, a big physical running back going over and saying that these guys are hitting us, you know, and they're too physical. Uh-huh. Th- that's mental, yeah, you know, you and mentally that's break them. yeah, and that's exactly what this Notre Dame team, and I mean, that's what's so fun. I mean, they were lining up in the I formation, which you haven't seen, you know, a lot, especially in college football anymore. And you know, uh, uh, Tommy Tremble, you know, a tight end who was playing H back basically, too, you know, going in and looking like his r- pat run blocking has been a lot of talk, of, you know, been the talk of the nation as far as college football because he searches for the you know he searches for that block, mm-hmm. he wants that lead block, you know, blow up a whole and break Kyron Williams for a big run or uh, Sebo Flemister, you know. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And now I'm sitting here, guys, and this is dangerous because I got a lot of hope. Yeah. And that is very fucking dangerous for me because, uh, funny story from the night, uh, you know, we were throwing uh, – my uh, in-laws were throwing a party for my daughter the next day for getting her black belt, uh, 10 years old, getting her black belt, everybody. It's crazy. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they, she was over there helping him prep for the party. And she didn't want to come home because, <laughs> you know, at the time, Notre Dame was up, and she's like, all right, I'm going to stay away. You know, they're up. I'm not going to get in his way. And then when they were losing, then she was like, oh, now I'm definitely not coming home because my house is probably smashed to bits, which I was calm for the most part. Like, I was cool. I was collected. Um, and then when they won, you know, jumping for joy, uh, the fucking energy that was rushing through me, I felt like one of the college kids rushing on the field from my from – my, House, you know, Mm -hmm. from my living room. I was off my couch. I was hugging my TV. I wanted to sing the alma mater. I mean, I was losing my mind. You have no idea. Like, I the hope right now is dangerous because if it's a letdown, I'm gonna be broken again, and I can't do that anymore. Like. This is the first time I really – I'm like genuinely thinking like even with that Manti-Teo team in 12 when they played Alabama, I was like, fuck, Alabama. And then when they had that run with Clemson when when I first joined the show and I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think they can beat this Clemson team. Like even then in the back of my mind, I was like, fuck, there's no way. But now this year, I'm really like – they got a shot. It's, yeah. not, it's
0: not all the Rome of
2: thought. So they're currently ranked number two in the nation. That is in both the AP and the Coaches Bowl. Uh, they got Boston College coming up this weekend, where currently, as we record, Notre Dame is 13.5-point favorites. Yeah,
1: the hope is scary because that's when I start to like really – I'm yep. like, oh, my God, because now I'm thinking, all right – They have to play Clemson one more time in the ACC title game potentially, unless Clemson has a slip up. Notre Dame still has to get well. First off, they have to get through North Carolina and finish the rest of the season out. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, if they get to the ACC title game, potentially have to play Clemson again. You know, what if Clemson beats them and all of a sudden the committee fucking like does something wacky and they bump Notre Dame down to five and they put two SEC teams in? So now the paranoia kicks in. You know, now you know. Then all right, let's say Notre Dame gets in at two. You know, and Alabama stays undefeated and wins the SEC. So, no, uh, dreams, you know, this is the perfect scenario. Alabama wins the FCC, Dame wins the ACC, Ohio State wins the Big Ten, and then fourth is fill in the blank. Now, you know, it's going to be a household divided. I got to deal with that bullshit with my wife because she's an Ohio State fan. Notre Dame's already lost to Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. I had to hear that for nine months, you know, until the following football season. So now they're, they're going to be in a playoff game where if Notre Dame wins, I'm going to have to hear it again for another year. I can't handle that, guys. I can't deal with that. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I want to avoid. I would much rather Notre Dame be one and have to play like Georgia at four. You know, something like that. Um, but. It's the hope. If they win, if they win a national title, I legitimately—I—I I mean, it might be morbid to say this, but I could die happy. That's all I've wanted. That's all I've ever needed. I well, just need Notre Dame to win
0: a national title. Well, it's not out of the realm of thought, because I mean, obviously, looking at the top six of the AP here, my beloved Gators are at number six with with a four and one record. Texas A and M is at five and one at number five. Clemson dropped to four, being seven and one. Ohio State is 3-0 and at 3. Notre Dame is at 2 with 7-0. And Alabama is at 1 with 6-0 and record. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of thought, but you just got to put together some wins, and then you got to just win that division it just, outright. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's
1: just crazy to think that Notre Dame's been playing football since 1887, and they're 7-0 and in conference play. Yeah. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all week. Yes, he will. They've been independent, everybody. That's the joke. If you don't know, yeah. And this is their first year full-fledged yeah. ACC. So, yeah. um. But yeah, I just it was. I mean, and and outside of that, taking myself, you know, removing myself as the Notre Dame fan. That that football game was pure. That was pure college football. I mean, if you like college football, and the you know, and with everything from the spread, you know, if you're not, you know, if you don't like the spread offenses and all that stuff, but you know, this was pure. This was. This was football at its finest. This was two elite teams coached by very good coaches. Even though I fucking do not like Dabo Sweeney, um, the uh, two elite coaches, two uh, four elite offensive and defensive coordinators, and players playing at the most elite level. That it was it was pure. I and I mean I you don't get that outside the SEC. You know what I mean? Like You get the Georgia-Alabama matchups. You get the Alabama-Florida. This was the first time the ACC's really had two teams that are elite at this level that it was like, it was magic. You know, it was literally the ups and downs, the win probability changes, the the atmosphere being in Notre Dame, I mean, it was just it was magical. It's what college football, you know, desperately needed this season with everything that's going on. Um, and you know what? With everything that is going on, it was a moment that you know you you could suspend everything else that's going on in the world, mm-hmm. and that was that was much needed. At least in for me, it was. I mean, for people who don't like college football, you know, yeah, you're probably not going to like this game, but it was magical. You know, it was
0: it was pure. It's one of those things when sports hit, and obviously with everything going on, you need a break. And this is one that if your team is in a moment that they haven't been in before and they pull something off yeah. that is unexpected, and let's face it. It was. It was. Yeah, Notre Dame was dogs. It's one of those games that just stands out in your minds, and you always remember where you were at that moment. I mean, that's why we always talk about sports. That's why we do a sports podcast.
1: And the other thing that I was livid about, and I mean, I can wrap up with this, um, was as the... <laughs> As the game goes into overtime, NBC locally. Oh my God! Yeah, cut coverage. Yeah, to go to whatever show they air. I think it was like paid programming. Yeah, or something yeah, like it's that. some yeah. stupid like investment show where they talk to athletes and celebrities about their investments that they've made. Yeah. So here I'm sitting here like coming down after over like coming down right like I'm un- unwinding a little bit, yeah. kind of like in wrestling, you know, when yeah. you have that lull. So here I'm I'm coming down. All right, we're going to overtime. Okay, you know they're going to be able to pull this out. And I'm just the, the TV's there, and it's just noise. I'm like, all right, I'm just waiting for overtime. Who wins the coin toss? What happens? And I don't even notice the TV. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and it's like five minutes into this program. I'm like, wait, this this isn't a commercial. Yeah, this is coming on. This is airing right yeah. now. Yeah, this is on. Where's the Notre Dame game? That was a local thing for us, yeah. Complete yeah. complete panic. Yeah. Complete panic. Chaos. Aaron's pulling up her phone trying to find the game. I'm trying to find the phone. You know, I'm trying to find my phone. I don't even know where my phone is. I'm trying to find my NBC app on my Apple TV. Complete, absolute panic. I come on to the game finally with Clemson uh, having the uh, first play of overtime reviewed because it might have been a potential score. Yeah, it's And old. now heart rate... Thousand, you know, I'm like pumping. I'm like, wait, what? Did I, what did I miss? What did I miss? Oh no, my NBC app won't let me sign in, so it won't even let me view the game without having the little blimp up there. And then finally, the game got put back on TV. So my father-in-law and I talked about the next day. It was a la Super Bowl three yeah. when Joe Namath was making the comeback, and they put uh, you know, uh, Pepe or, or that uh, old uh, movie um, back on, and they removed the Super Bowl, yeah. so nobody got to see on the East Coast. The uh, super, you know, the the, the drive, comeback. yeah, the comeback. So yeah, that was that was a highlight.
2: I ran into that too, just because I was I was hanging out at home, and I figured I hadn't seen the score or anything, but I figured I'd check out the game and that was when i decided to turn over to, that was when i decided to, and i knew it was on nbc i was like "All right, yeah. let's go check out and i go what the hell i'm like oh maybe the game's over so i go and so i go look at my phone i pull up the espn app and look at the square and it says in, in progress or it gave the the overtime and then the time was moving and i'm like where the hell's the game so i, I knew i saw your post about it flipping to nb or your text about it switching to uh, usa so i'm like maybe it stayed on usa
3: yeah you
2: know Flipped over to USA, they were showing like a movie or something. I'm like, okay, maybe it's on NBC Sports. Flip yep. over to that, it was like poker or something. I'm Dude, like, I'm like, where the hell is it? You're literally. I did. I, I've checked
1: NBC. I checked MSNBC. I checked CN. I I checked all the affiliations of of NBC. I checked each and every single one of them while flipping through the programs, trying to see where the game might have gotten moved to. Ultimately, just to be like NBC, you know, local NBC just dropped the ball.
0: I think you're going to have to sign up for Peacock just to make sure you got
1: to back <laughs> I, dude, I did not look there. That was the one thing I didn't think about. But I have the NBC Sports app, so I was like, all right, I'll at least check there. And I did find it. But, yeah, it was a panic.
0: But an incredible story, nevertheless, yeah. and a huge win for Notre Dame to close out last weekend's big college football game day, but we have to kind of do some late breaking news here as we are recording. There has been some changes in the schedule this week,
2: pad Yeah, so uh, the SEC announced today, as we record, that they are calling off Saturday's Alabama LSU and then the Texas A&M Tennessee games uh, as a result of COVID nineteen testing uh, uh, depleting quote depleting the Tigers and Aggies' available rosters. Uh, this is of course on the heels of Monday's decision to postpone the Auburn Mississippi State game uh, because the uh, Bulldogs are having uh, similar issues with positive test results and contact tracing Uh, all three this is from an article on ESPN uh, all three games have been deemed postponements Texas A&M Tennessee and Auburn Mississippi State are tentatively rescheduled for the December 12th open date LSU already has a game rescheduled that date against the Florida Gators Uh, so the SEC said in a statement that quote the opportunity to reschedule the Alabama at LSU game will need to be evaluated and that the rescheduling of games on the remaining SEC football schedule may may include December 19th as a playing date.
0: So stay tuned Damn. for that because there's going to be some moving and shaking going on this yep. past week, yep. or this coming week of the college football season. Mm-hmm. But definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the big Notre Dame-Clemson game? And what is your thoughts moving forward for your team going into the Bowl Championship Series? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Greetings, Henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the
0: Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the fictional battle podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by The Villains Demand.
2: If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you.
1: New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire.
3: You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo!
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. In time to run the ropes, talk some pro wrestling.
2: Wrestling. Wrestling.
0: So this past weekend was AEW's full gear Uh pay-per-view from Daily's Place in Jacksonville. Obviously, you've been following twitch.tv slash 607podcast. You saw the live reaction from Rich from 3FN, Crazy Curtis Gaming, and myself watching the event. And dare I say, it was better than expected.
3: Well, that's good.
0: I will say that. So we're going to recap... The event, breaking down the results. So the buy-in was switched around a little bit. I mean, that's what they do for the pre-show. Okay. And the first match was for the NWA Women's World Championship. Mm-hmm. And it's Allison Kay making her debut. Okay. She, she just got signed facing champion Serena Deep. So this match was nothing really to write home about. It was a good match, very technical at times. And Deep wound up winning. And at the end, former champion Thunder Rosa came out. To kind of set up their storyline moving forward, uh-huh. so this has been something they've been slowly building. They've been borrowing a lot from other organizations, and I'm going to get into this going into the next match. But they have a very close knit working relationship, it appears, with the NWA Women's or uh, NWA organization, especially uh-huh. with the women's division. Okay. So obviously, Deeb has been defending the belt a little bit. Thunder Rosa was defending uh, on the AEW programming as well. So they're kind of continuing this moving forward. So, a good match to start out. I mean, nothing really to write home about, but definitely it was worthwhile watching. Yeah. They opened the show, though,
2: uh-huh.
0: with Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's noteworthy about this, and what I'm saying about working with other organizations, Don Callis was introduced. Saw that. As, obviously, he's the vice president of Impact Wrestling, and he was on commentary, hmm. which I thought was a little crazy. Yeah. I mean, but I know he's very good friends with Kenny Omega. So I just think it's kind of odd that you would name him and let him come on commentary.
1: Well, especially with the, the history of Impact Wrestling and the Young Bucks because mm-hmm. there's a lot of tension there from, yeah. their, from their days. So yeah. um, really interesting to see that you know, they'd be willing to you know, give them such cred you know, on their show.
0: Yeah. Like, I think for me, though, under the regime of Callis and Scott D. Moore. I think that a lot of that tension maybe has gone away a little bit since, sure. since it's been switched over. I think that was more of like the Dixie Carter era, right? Right. But to see Calis on there was still wild. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Are you kidding me?"
1: Especially and not cause, especially with the working, not working relationship, but the uh, I don't know, wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, type deal that they've had with WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, for the last I don't know what five years ish. It appears um, that you know Don would be so willing to go on AEW television.
0: Yeah. It was a wild scenario to see, but it kind of makes sense, obviously, with the history with Kenny Omega, so we're going to have to watch that moving forward. Yeah. But we got to get back to this match. And, Pad, you got the result?
2: Yeah, so Kenny Omega ended up defeating Adam Page uh, via pinfall and the list of the guys because I always like these little stats. Uh, the duration of this match was 16 minutes and 3 seconds.
0: And it definitely went back and forth. Like, we had yep. the return of the cleaner. Mm-hmm. So I did like seeing that. Because obviously, as coaches touched upon, is that we are now in the year of Omega
1: hashtag the year of Omega. I mean, I caught so I was
0: uh, following the TDE
1: wrestling uh, Twitter page that does the little gifs of um, you know wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I was following that you know a little bit here and there just to see some of the results. And yeah, I mean the action looked great. You know, I don't know the ins and outs, but it, I mean there was a couple good spots that looked fun. Um and you know you knew those two were gonna put on a great match. I uh-huh. mean, Hangman's really you know kind of come into his own um, from his you know young boy days of ROH. Mm-hmm. You know, especially once he w- went under with the Bullet Club and the Bucks. You know, you really saw an immaturation in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, hey, Kenny Omega was arguably one of the greatest wrestlers in North America. You know, let alone the world. Yeah. At one point, and you know, he kind of let himself become secondary, you know, to this growth of AEW to the detriment of his career. So to see him come back as a cleaner and real and win this match,
0: sign me up. Yeah, no, this definitely built into what they've been working on because this whole storyline has been slow burning. Yeah. Which is real, great. Yeah. And to talk about like for at where Anna Page started being a little
1: slow plotted, but yeah. yeah.
0: Being very, you know, forced into the role of being a face of AEW maybe before he was ready per se, you could argue. I mean, for me, as Coach Sushman, I mean, he came through Ring of Honor and really worked his way up and became a member of the Bullet Club, and that was where he really took off. Yep. And to see where he is now, that he is one of the young faces in AEW that's going to be one of their cornerstones Mm -hmm. with MJF moving forward— This was a big profile match for him. It definitely delivered, and Kenny Omega looked great. I mean, he looked like the Kenny Omega of old that we have been waiting to see since he came over from AEW. So he is now locked and loaded for a world title shot to be determined. Yep. So we're going to kind of have to wait and see on that. Next up, though, Pat?
2: Uh, You had Orange Cassidy defeat John Silver via pinfall in 9 minutes and 46 seconds.
0: Okay. Coach, you have any thoughts on this? I uh –
1: I just this the the John Silver guy what a what a weird human being <laughs> like I mean the, the arms are bigger than his frame yes and I know that might be part of the gimmick but I just I, to me it's not a good look when you're 55 five, but your arms are like of what you know like Hulk Hogan size uh-huh. that's just not a good look like you look odd like he looks weird um and I just the whole the whole thing with that group. What? What's their name again? The Dark Order. The Dark Order. <laughs> yeah. This Just, Just, it's bad. But, I mean, Orange Cassidy's great. Right, Pat? Oh, yeah. He's love, fucking awesome. Love Orange Cassidy.
2: Yeah.
0: Cassidy put on a great match with Silver. And I will say this. This match was better than I thought. Okay. Like, going into this on paper, I was like, all right, this should have been on the buy-in, but fans were crying that why is Orange Cassidy on a buy-in show? Sure. Which I agree with, because Cassidy is your top face in your company. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very debatable argument. But these two put on a very good show. And John Silver, for his being unique as he is, put on an entertaining match. He's been doing a lot more stuff on being the elite, but I don't watch mm. that. Um, so this was definitely a better match, like I said, than expected with Orange Cassidy getting the win. And where he goes from this is hard to determine because obviously he's just had two big profile feuds with Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So he's now in this weird state of flux that, I don't know, would you put him in a feud with Kenny Omega?
2: Yeah, who knows?
0: I mean, that, that could be something. Next up, Pat.
2: uh You had Darby Allin defeat Cody Rhodes uh, to become your new and new AEW TNT champion.
0: Okay, and we have to note that Cody does have the rights back for, to use Rhodes, uh-huh. th- nope. which he kind of did a, a little tease that he wasn't going to use it in AEW, but they announced him as it. Yeah, it come cool. on. It was cool to see. Yeah, no, it was
2: cool to see.
1: Yeah, that you knew. Listen, you don't have yes. a legal battle come up and then not
2: and so use you, it. You don't put as much money and time <laughs> yeah. and effort into getting that name back for as many years as he did just to go. All right, I got it back. I'm not going to use it. Yeah, that's, it, that's like you, you you It's like you make enough money in your life to own a Lamborghini, and you know you know what? I'm just going to keep <laughs> yeah. this in the garage.
0: Yeah, that would have been unique if you did though. <laughs> yeah, I would laugh silly. Uh, thoughts on this match? Did not
1: see any much of this. one. Well, no, I lied. I did see it, uh, the highlights of it. Um, I mean, it, it looked like, you know, the whole story leading into this was Darby Allen, you know, being the face of TNT. You know, they wouldn't want that. And Cody, you know, being the pretty boy superstar that he thinks he is, uh, you know, was the guy that TNT wanted as their champion. And, um, you know, I don't know. They've already wrestled like three or four times. You know, I... Uh, Yeah, the uh, crossroads off the top rope. I mean, listen, you know Darby's going to do crazy shit. But, yeah, I I mean, we'll see where it goes from here. I mean, it's very interesting to see Cody kind of lose the title, um, especially since he can't vie for the World Heavyweight title. So kind of what they do with Cody from here is going to be pretty interesting. And, And, you know, we'll see who's next for Darby. I mean, I know the Taz group jumped them afterwards. So I'm sure you'll probably get that feud extended with him and um,
0: Elegant, right? Or is it no? It's uh, Brian Cage. Brian and, Cage, and, and yeah. And Ricky so, Starks.
1: so you'll see that probably go into the summer, and you know they'll go, they'll they'll do their thing.
0: See, the thing about this is we've seen Darby versus Cody a few times, right. in W. So they really had a chance to reinvent the wheel, and they didn't. This was a decent match. Obviously, they know each other pretty well, right? And for Cody to just win the belt back now to give it away. I don't necessarily know if I like that too much. I don't. I I think that you really have a secondary belt, and let's face it, it's a secondary. Belt. I mean,
1: you sacrificed the the heat that was, you know, Luke Harper Brody, Brody yeah. you know, coming over and being the face of the Dark Order to, you know, have him absolutely wreck the entire Rhodes family. Mm-hmm. To then just lose the title two weeks later.
0: Yeah, it's just... Now to give it to Darby Allen. It just didn't really make a lot of sense, and obviously, they, they did have a... The storyline they've been doing with Team Taz, though, is we've been kept off TV and for rankings matter, and they publicly said this, uh, Brian Cage, I believe, has only lost one match. Sure. And technically, and Taz was like, technically, he didn't. I threw in the towel, so he didn't lose anything. So why is he getting uh, no title shots whatsoever? I will say, though, the beatdown they did after the match, though, was a little extensive but they were going to just really make a point about how— Yeah, they,
1: they got a hammer at home. Yeah, yeah, and
0: obviously doing the whole car spot was a little different, but it was what it was. Uh, not, the world, not the worst thing ever, but didn't really make a lot of waves. And, I mean, my early prediction now is I think Cody is going to start forming his own corporation like Vince McMahon— Basically, because they keep adding members of the Nightmare family. Yeah. And it's getting to the point where I'm just expecting a remix of No Chance in Hell to kick in.
1: Oh, it's NWO 2.0 is yeah, what it is. It,
0: it, it's 3.0. It, it's Authority it, 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to happen, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about that, because unless I think what is- Well, co- don't they
1: already have the authority in the Dark Order? Like, what the fuck?
0: No, I mean, their factions are really a mess right is now. Is that
1: like, the, is the Dark Order the ministry then, and then the corporation's Cody, and then all of a sudden they will be the Dark? corporation you're the, the, the dark, the the dark, dark
2: nightmare. The search world about dark. wwe and, and their booking and their this and that over the years at least when they had their factions you could keep it straight and figure Na- out what the hell was going on maybe in the nightmare order mm-hmm. there we go
0: there nightmare we go order. that works next up though
2: uh you had hikaru shida retain her uh aew women's championship belt by defeating nyla rose via pinfall in 14 minutes and nine seconds
0: okay so this match i thought was one of their better matches that they've had, Hmm. Sheeta and and Rose. I think this was hard-hitting. Some might have said it was sloppy at times. Okay. I I think, but they were really, like, laying in shots. Like, I would say, I don't want to say this almost looked like a shoot fight, but it had that feel to it. Hmm. The only argument that I'm going to have against this, and if you've been listening to 607TWS, Rich and I talk about this all the time, the lack of buildup for their women's division is atrocious.
2: Okay let's not forget I believe it was in the final the go home episode of aew Dynamite they had zero matches with any of their female talent on the show correct during
0: this match they ran the crawl for aew dark results and talking about Brandy's YouTube channel during this Jeez. match the only t- yeah I think that's such a slap in the face to what Sheeta and Rose were doing especially because their storyline got no buildup it got a five minute Uh, Alex Marvez backstage segment where he basically said, Sheeta, Nyla Rose called you out. And Sheeta's like, we we can have our match at full gear. And this match definitely was proof that they should have more screen time to work together. I know that it it kind of had a weird ending with obviously Vicky Guerrero and how they're setting up her um, eventually making Nyla Rose snap and attack her. It was kind of a weird ending after it, but for the in-ring work, it was fine. And like I said, it was only sloppy because it was hard-hitting. Right. And they were just laying in shots, which I think Sheeta definitely wanted to say how much of a badass she is. And obviously with Nyla Rose being the monster she is, Mm -hmm. I think you had to do that match. Like how the style was for this. So I don't think it was as bad as the online critics have been about it, but you know, that's why they're online and they're not real critics. Next up, though, was the Match of the Night contender.
2: So, yeah, you had Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson defeat Cash and Dax uh, to uh, become your and-new AEW Tag Team Champions uh, in the longest match of the night at 28 minutes and 25 seconds.
0: So we finally got the artist formerly known as the Revival versus the Young Bucks, the Internet's dream match from five years ago. Now, gentlemen, did you see any of this match? Nope. No. Okay. So... This match was a slow build, and then they were hitting spots after spots, but not the spots you would think. They were doing homages to the Steiner Brothers, the Legion of Doom, the Hart Foundation, DIY, which they named on camera, the announcers did. Sure. Which which I, which I was stunned at. I was That's like, so weak. I was like, why would you name DIY? But once this match got going... It really picked up, and I've, I've watched it a couple times now. It has definitely grown on me that I think that, yeah, it was definitely a match-of-the-night contender for AEW. They did a lot of great storytelling, and obviously with the Bucks winning, you now have a couple different storylines you can go with because they were kind of teasing going back to the old Young Bucks um, heels. Spot fests for days. Yeah, the super kick party on, on high. You might – See that happen, albeit though I think Nick Jackson is legitimately hurt.
2: yeah, I believe for what I read he is. yeah,. yeah he got because he, he was out for some injury, came back and then almost immediately got hurt afterwards.
0: Yeah. And then you saw, um I believe it was Dex. That hurt his hand. Um, punching the, he missed. The, he did a spot where he hit the rail and actually, I think, cut it open. Hey. Where the refs actually had to tape it up during the match.
2: I think I read something about that. Yeah, yeah. which
0: I, which I kind of threw me off guard. I was like, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I think about this. But then to see Wheeler from the revival hit a 450 splash. Wow. Okay. Yeah, which I didn't think was in his wheelhouse. Did it from the? He did like one of those springboard jump up to the top ropes and then did it. Absolutely freaking wild. He missed it, but still just see. Yeah, that's You're, fucking nuts. Yeah. Hey, no flips, though. Yeah, no, I know. No flips, no flips. No fist. flips. And that's how you write the rematch in. Because, yeah. well, we went against the game plan. This match, though, I think would make all the internet happy. And I think, okay. it, del- I think it delivered on that front. Uh, would I say it was the greatest match ever? Like Okada Omega? No, not really. But I would say. Uncle
1: Dave just said it
0: was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he probably <laughs> gave it seven minivans, three three <laughs> gas stations, and something else. I For me, I thought it was good, though. I, re, I would say, like, if I have to give it, like, a grading out of five, I'll say four and a half. Okay. I, I will say that. Um, I, I Did I like Sasha Banks versus Bailey and Hell in a Cell better? Yes. Okay. So that's kind of my grading scale with this. But not by much. Like, this definitely lived up to the hype. Where they go from here is anybody's guess. They're, I did see Omega came out after... To hug them, and then Hangman was
1: yeah. hanging in the background.
0: and that was kind of weird. I, I got to admit, because I figured that with Omega winning, the Hangman page storyline would be done, and he'd go into a different direction.
3: Now- I mean, the
0: thing that makes sense to me would be, if they
1: really truly did kick him out of the Elite, would be to move Hangman into this group with Dax and dash or yeah cash, that what and dash. cash and dash and and try to form
0: a new horseman thing with tully see i think they're going to do that in rich's I, rich's theory is it's going to be cody instead which i i
1: oh my fucking god like enough
0: yeah that enough that's his theory about if this. he's
1: thinking that's going to be fucking like i mean i know this is theory but if cody thinks he's going to fill in the flare shoes
0: yeah just
1: stop it has to be it can't be obviously it can't be the horseman yeah first off but secondly, it can't be the incarnation of that. It needs to be like Hangman would be perfect in that role because he is, you know, the long blonde hair, the the move set, the impress, you know, the the style and everything. Um, I think it would make a ton of sense, um, you know, for it to be him. Yeah, you know, and plus that would be, you know, that would uplift him. You know, maybe into more of a, you know, now you know he's got Tully in his corner, so for him to be an elite player. Tully would help make that happen. And, I mean, the person that's got to get kicked out is fucking – Yeah, Sean Spears. Sean Spears because he just – he has no he serves no purpose in that group. Yeah. They, especially with how they already treat it now yeah. with him and Tully and these two. It, they're it, never
0: seen in the same spot. It's a weird thing, and I, I'm not sure what they're going to do there because especially the, one of the Revival members tweeted out like a weird goodbye – to everybody, like, they are, like, alluding they're already done with all elite wrestling. Oh, well,
1: rumor was that they wanted to do New Japan and stuff. So. Right,
0: but there's kind of, like, a weird thing that's going on with AEW that they're branching out with the other organizations, like right. I touched upon. Because they've been featuring New Japan wrestlers in vignettes, like, doing, like, shout-outs for, like, Chris Jericho's birthday and Ryan such. Ibushi. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not saying they don't have a deal worked out that maybe they could go over there and work. But it's kind of one of those wait-to-sees. Because I, I just can't see that they signed the Revival only for a couple dates and then let them go. I mean, I can and I can't. I just think that would be bad business if that's what they did. Sure it would. But who knows? I mean, we got to just wait and see about that. But the match lived up to the hype. One match that did not, though, was the next match up.
2: Yeah, so that was uh, Matt Hardy defeated Sammy Guevara via pinfall in the Elite Deletion uh, in 21 minutes and 24 seconds.
0: All right, cinematic matches are done. Yeah, it's, it's a wrap. Unfortunately. This was an absolute mess, not in a good sense.
2: I only saw, like, maybe 10 seconds of this, and that was at the end where Gangrel came out and had a hold of the hurricane, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I'm like, this screams of WCW.
0: Yeah, it just was messy all over the place. Like, some, like Sammy Grovera drove in there on his own golf cart Yeah, to the compound. And
1: ran over the monster truck.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and then it was this weird like Matt Hardy with his uh fireworks going off, like shooting the fireworks at Santana and Ortiz who showed up randomly. Right. And then Private Party apparently was somewhere nearby and they drove in. Like it was it was like it just got to the point where it was like instead of being ridiculously
2: good bad, it was like just
1: campy to really campy. Yeah. Let's
2: not forget this is the same guy that in one of his cinematic matches left the Rock and Roll Express in a cherry picker.
0: Yeah. And they ended it with Sammy Guevara. like it kind of was like it just had this really like weird ending where Sammy was bleeding and then thrown into a garbage can and Senior Benjamin was dumping him somewhere. I don't know. I left it alone. I was done. I'm like this is the worst match of the night and you can't tell me otherwise. hopefully they don't do another one like this for a very very long time yeah move on.
2: Uh, next up after that, you had MJF defeat Chris Jericho by a pinball in 16 minutes and 21 seconds. And if I'm not mistaken, MJF is now in whatever faction Jericho's ahead of. Yes. So this one. Ten bucks says he gets rid of it on Wednesday. Uh, gets rid of what? The faction? Yeah.
0: No, I think what they're going to be doing for this one is the storyline has been MJF feels he needs a faction to win an AEW. Dude,
1: MJF would have been a good in my fourth for my Horseman.
0: Right. Damn. What I think he's going to do in this is he's going to take over the inner circle and kick Jericho out.
2: because So Jericho can go make another record.
0: Yeah, he's going to go on Fozzie Tour sooner yeah. than later. I just don't know when he's going to do it because their next pay-per-view is in February. Mm, so, okay. so it's a long build-up because I think eventually you're going to have MJF versus Jericho for control of the inner circle. Because this match... Was okay at best. Nothing really too much to write home about. Uh, MJF wins by doing the homage to Eddie Guerrero, so he cheats to win to get in. And now apparently, him and Wardlow are now members of the inner circle. Sure, uh, let's just everybody. You get to be in inner circle. You're yeah. an yeah. inner circle. So I think they need to clean inner house. circle
2: red and inner circle white coming soon. Yep. Yeah,
0: it's it's gonna happen. And that's
1: the, the second video game that you know the first one's N.W. is going to be inner circle versus the world. And
2: then it's gonna be. Oh, I got details on that I mean, yeah. in a minute, and you guys are gonna shit yourselves.
3: Oh,
0: but we got one more match to go through because obviously the headliner of the night was John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in mm-hmm. an I Quit match. Mm-hmm. Sure, brutal as all could be.
2: Yeah, that's what I heard. Kn- I mean, you knew what it was going to be. It's I'll say, I, d- I, I did not see any of the highlights of the match. I did see uh, Moxley's wife, uh, Renee. Uh, tweeted about the match after it was done, and she showed it to her mother. Uh, her mother was not a fan. Hmm. No,
0: there was a lot of barbed wire in this one. Um, Baseball bats. Baseball bats. Yeah. Uh, at mm-hmm. one point, I think Moxley was cut open, and then Kingston poured rubbing alcohol on his cuts. Oh, yeah. you
2: sick fuck. You yeah. sick fuck.
0: Yeah, they they definitely did not God. mess around a little bit. Like I said, there wasn't has that much barbed wire. Text- has
2: he been texting Foley and, and, and getting ideas from Foley?
0: Uh, no, no, Moxley doesn't need him. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, Eddie Kingston definitely stepped up. And right. yeah, and Eddie doesn't Christ. need him either. Yeah, so this one, a little shorter than I expected, and Kingston kind of didn't really say I quit, but he, he kind of heard him mutter a little bit. So obviously now you have set up John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, who came out at the end of the show, to tease that whenever they decide to do that. Um so it should be interesting to see when they decide to pull that out. But like I yeah. said
1: So my problem with that match was it just was obvious Kingston wasn't gonna win. Yeah. You know, I mean this isn't this isn't anything where, you know, maybe the story could have been like, you know, I'm gonna break, you know, John, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take him there. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously just you just knew he wasn't gonna win, you know, and that's a that makes it difficult to get a match over when you know the outcome. Yeah. You know?
0: Well, I think for Eddie Kingston, he definitely did enough to win over some fans that maybe not had not known well, he's before. he's
1: been tremendous on the mic. Yeah. You know, and his, st- his match with Cody, that first match, obviously got him signed. Yeah. So, I mean, he's shown that he can put in the work. It's just, you can't, it's just, you can't have a match where, like, you ultimately know the outcome. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just... I mean, Moxley's not going to lose to this guy. No. You know, I mean, you you went out, you got him, you chased him down for a reason, mm-hmm. and you're not going to just let him lose when you know the up ne- the next coming challenger yeah. is the money match.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just one of those situations where, especially knowing the outcome early in the night, once you knew Omega-1, it was like, okay, we know how this is going to play out. So it was what it was for a main event. Um, nothing really too memorable, except, I mean, it was brutal as all hell to watch. But overall, though, AEW... Not a bad show.
2: Yeah. No.
0: Definitely got to say that. I mean, obviously we got the live re- re- reaction still up on twitch.tv slash 6 7 podcast Over 500 views so far. Alright. So definitely swing on over. Check that out. And we have some breaking news concerning AEW pad.
2: Yeah, so uh, they put out an announcement yesterday or last couple of days saying they were going to have an up announcement coming up here and everyone figured it'd be about a video game because there's been talk about that for a while and it is. Uh, so tonight as we record uh, they published a video announcement with some early details regarding the games. Uh, so for the presentation they had Kenny Omega uh, they also had Aubrey Edwards, Britt baker and cody rhodes uh, should know i could all four of them were dressed as steve jobs from apple
0: oh interesting yeah
2: uh, three games were confirmed the first was a console game and it was announced that aew has partnered with yukes uh, those are the folks that worked on the wwe games for a long ass time including they did wwe 2k19 however they've also partnered with H- H- hid Hiduki Iwashita, the director of WWF No Mercy Oh, and okay. Oh. They got the guy who directed WWF No Mercy to work on the game. Oh.
0: Are you excited, coach?
1: That game was so much
3: fun. So
2: there's a lot of I was looking on Twitter a little bit ago. There's a lot of people going if this is anything like WWF No Mercy, they're all in. Oh no pun intended. Oh my god. We're going to have to see about
0: getting those uh, press pictures coming our way because we just did get officially made AEW press. So, definitely, we're going to have to keep oh. some uh, noise on nah. AD, or ODPH social media this weekend because we'll definitely have a little more to break about it because obviously the press conference is going on right now as we're recording. But I'm excited. Coach is excited. That career mode was sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it should Pretty be some, like that. It should be some fun things to talk about, AEW, but let's have that conversation with you, the ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about AEW Full Gear? Have you watched the live reaction on twitch.tv slash six seven yet? And what's your thoughts about the AEW video game? I, we can talk about that as well. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Two,
1: three, four. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up, I thought I would.
0: Right now, back to the guy. coming back for the final segment on this edition of the odph podcast time to round those bases and take it home but i think we have a local minute we do break it down Pat. Yeah, so
2: it was announced today during a press conference uh, with mets president sandy alderson uh it, it basically the press conference was to introduce the new owner of the mets steve cohen uh and the, it was announced uh during the press conference that uh, binghamton brooklyn and st Lucie will continue be being affiliates uh going forward but they did not specify whether binghamton would continue to have a double-A team. So the Rumble Ponies are staying put. The the Mets are not leaving town. Whether they're still the double-A team or not, remains to be seen uh rumble ponies owner john hughes uh did share uh, the following statement with local uh news station wbng saying quote incredibly excited to be a part of the new york mets under steve cohen and our longtime friend sandy alderson we look forward to supporting their mission in any way possible it's a great day to be a mets fan close quote so uh, rumble ponies at least are not staying going anywhere the mets will continue to be here just they may or may not be the double A team, which is fine.
0: That's fine. We yeah. got baseball in town. That's all we need.
2: Yeah. I wish the same could be said for the Trenton, uh, thunder because, uh, there was a mess a little bit over the weekend. So, uh, according to baseball America, the and while well, the Yankees uh, posted it on their social media accounts, they are shifting pretty much their entire minor league, a uh, bunch of their minor league teams short of Scranton, which is their triple A affiliate. Uh, so, th- uh, the Trenton thunder will no longer be the double A affiliate of the New York Yankees. Uh, the state, Staten Island Yankees, which is the short season uh, A ball, will no longer be affiliated. And then the Charleston River Dogs, which is the single A affiliate, will no longer be affiliated with the New York Yankees. Uh, of course, this ties back to what we were talking about earlier in the year before the pandemic hit, you know, shortening, you know, the amount of teams there and, and coming down to money and all, and all this. Uh, the real dirty, real messy part about it is, is that according to an article on uh, sportsillustrated.com, uh, the owners of the Trenton Thunder and then the uh, Staten Island Yankees did not find out about this until the announcement was put on social media by the Yankees. Wow. Which is not a good look. Wow. Yeah, so not a good look. So unfortunate for, you know, those down in Trenton and then those down in Staten Island. I know the diehard fan bases. I've heard that the I haven't been down to the Trenton Thunder uh, baseball stadium, but I have heard it is very nice. Uh, You know, but so unfortunate for them. I hope they quickly find another team or another, you know form of baseball to come in there and fill the void because it's a great fan base down there in Trenton.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely wild to see. I mean they've been there forever, it feels mm-hmm, like so mm-hmm. to see that and especially how that got done. Right, and especially Yo. since they especially
2: since they were they played the the up here in Binghamton a number of times. And it was always great as a Yankee fan to go in there to a uh, home game, you know, watch the then Mets and now Rumble ponies come through. And and just see some of those up and coming Yankees prospects. I mean I know he's a bit of a polarizing person on the Yankees but I got to see Gary Sanchez play when he was with the Trenton Thunder and he got and he hit a screaming double off the right center field wall that I'm like all right Looks looks pretty good, you know, but so unfortunate for them. But like I said, hopefully they bounce back and find a new team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, hate hearing about teams leaving mm-hmm. a, a city, especially, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's not a major city, no. but still it, no. it's still a town that's going to be about baseball. No.
2: Uh, switching to my normal base, uh, got a little bit of baseball to talk about. They are in the process this week of announcing uh, awards, uh, and they announced today as we record that, uh, and like I should mention, I said it before, They vote on these awards before the postseason, and it's a good thing, too, because the Rays manager, Kevin Cash, won Manager of the Year Award, and it's a good thing this was voted on before the World Series, because Lord knows he he would not have gotten that award based off of his World Series performance.
3: Yes, indeed. Uh,
2: Yeah, and then in the probably nearest, you know, thing to a guarantee in baseball there ever is Don Mattingly won a national league manager of the year because yeah, with, every, so. with everything going on with the Marlins to take that team from being off for what felt like three weeks to not only get them back, get them to play the full season and then make it to their first playoff appearance since 2003. Not granted their their streak of making the playoffs and then winning the World Series is broken. Mm-hmm. You know they are now two and they are now two and one in that statistic. But regardless, everything that team went through, put, navigated them through it, got them to the playoffs. Kudos to you, sir, and very much congratulations.
0: Absolutely, no question that was well deserved. Yeah. So, Coach had to take off. He got a little tweet from Ian Book, I think. Something like that, yeah. He, something, he, was, he got something. He was screaming, oh, i got to take this. this. Is about Notre Dame. And then took off. We weren't sure if he was.
2: He might be filling in for them uh, this coming week against Boston College. We don't know.
0: Yeah, we're not exactly sure what's going on. Like I said, I thought you said he got one from uh, Mr. Book there. So, either way, he did. Leave Maybe us it was with, Charlie Weiss.
2: It could have been Charlie
0: Weiss. <laughs> I think if it was, there would have been more F-bombs thrown. Yeah, it could be. But he did leave us with his base to mention that this week, Starting Thursday, November 12th through Sunday, November 15th is the Masters Tournament. The 84th edition of golf's premier tournament is going on. And obviously, it's going to be kind of a little different to watch this year.
2: Yeah, no, it's going to be a little different. No fans in attendance. uh, You know, so players are already down there getting ready. And if you have not seen the video of the shot from John Rahm. Oh, my God. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, Go to pretty much any sports Facebook page, you know, and just find it. You'll be able to because it is the most bonkers hole in one I've ever seen in my life, and I am not a big golf fan.
0: Yeah, no. Holy shit. I thought it was a trick shot. I legit oh my thought it was a trick
2: shot. Money. If, so let's see if Curry can do that because I know they got the what is it the challenge or whatever it is coming up some point soon because it's Peyton and Curry versus Barkley and uh, Mickelson. Yeah, He's I'm sorry, be- Phil, you're gonna lose. Yeah,
0: Phil, you're gonna lose that one. You got no shot. So to go to my base, though. Uh, some quick UFC uh, news and notes. Okay. So this past week was a UFC fight night with Glover Teixeira taking on Tiago Santos oh. for number one contendership for the light heavyweight title, pending what is going on with the Adesanya, Blahovitz, John Jones, Fiasco. And Glover Teixeira continues the Fountain of Youth run and submitted Tiago Santos. Oh. Santos was laying in shots. This is the first time we've seen him back since the John Jones fight where he tore every single muscle in his legs. Yeah. He came in, he looked strong, like didn't look like he lost any power, but Teixeira did the smart thing after getting rocked a few times, uh-huh. took him to the ground, and obviously implemented his will. Like T- Santos did not look comfortable on the ground, so I don't know what his degree of jiu-jitsu is, but he definitely needs to work on it because he got dominated. Uh-huh. And it was a quick sub, too, when it happened, when he finally got it going. So enough said there. Teixeira is one, so we're going to have to wait and see about that. I know that there's some news breaking that Amanda Nunez uh, has withdrawn from UFC 256. So yep. that has been rescheduled with her and Megan Anderson. I want to say for next year. Probably. I'm thinking that they have not said the reason why Nunez has dropped out, but the, that fight will not be taking place for the Featherweight title. And speaking of fights, replacements, this Saturday mm-hmm. is another UFC fight night. And there is a. Big change, and i got to say, I'm trying to get the quote up as we were typing, because Islam Malchalovich mm-hmm. had to uh, withdraw from the fight against Rafael Dos Anjos at the 155 pa- weight class. Okay. So, obviously, this close to a fight, getting a replacement is next to unheard
2: of. Unless you're in the weight class of Donald Cerrone. Yeah, Donald Cerrone. In which case, you're good.
0: Yeah, Cerrone, Chemayev is another one, too, that... Could have been in in, in that case. But no, coming out for this one, and I love this fight too, is the one and only Paul Felder. Yo. So coming in five days notice, this is absolutely wild. That's bonkers. And to say he has a quote that definitely sums up What a fighter should be saying at this moment is an understatement.
2: Pad, you have it. Yeah, he said, quote, With everything going on in the world, the sad things going on in people's lives, losing their jobs and suffering. We just lost Alex Trebek to pancreatic cancer. I was like, man, you're still 35. You're young. You're in shape. Save the day. Let's go get paid. Let's have fun. You're fighting a legend. What do I have to lose?
0: Right on, man. Felder is always entertaining in a fight. He is going to scrap. This is going to be a fun contest. I don't know how this is going to play out. I'll be very honest with you. No, Dos Anjos is no joke at 155. Obviously, stepping up to 170 was not the best move in my opinion, but it is what it is. This one, pff, expect fireworks. Probably, I would say if if Felder can pull this off, that's a huge win. But considering that he has been in some wars with people, is an understatement. And he's he also suffered a collapsed lung in a fight. Mm-hmm. Like he is no joke. He's definitely coming in for this and. I, I'm rooting for him. i gotta, I got to say this. I mean, there's nothing against Dos Anos. I do like him too, but I'm hoping Felder can pull this off. But I just got a feeling Dos Anos is going to sneak this out. This is going to be a decision. It's going to be back-and-forth action. Definitely excited for that. So, obviously, ESPN Plus if you're in the States and wherever you're watching outside, to definitely don't miss this fight. So, we are going to close the show out now with some locks and leaps. Yeah. Now, Coach left, and he did give us his picks so his lock was New Orleans over the Niners. Uh-huh. Currently and nine and a half point favorites. Nine and a half favorites. And his leap, he he's doing the he's drinking the Kool Aid. Oh Lord! He took the Giants over Philly. Oh Christ! Yeah, so that being said, Pad, who you got for yours?
2: Uh, well, I'm going to agree with him on the lock there. I like the Saints at home, nine-and-a-half-point favorites uh, against the 49ers. Drew, uh, Drew Brees and company playing as well as they are. Niners just, I think they are still got a boatload of injuries going, so I'd see that being able to, for them to win. Uh, this one surprised me for a little for my leap. Uh, Seattle going into L.A. to play the Rams. Currently the Rams are one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Seattle, despite, you know, uh, L.A.'s secondary and as good as they are, Aaron Donald and whatnot, I think I think Russ and, and company are going to be able to pull it off and get the win.
0: Pat, I am with you on that because that was actually my leap. All right. So this one, I, you know, no game was really jumping. I want to say that, too. Yeah. Like, I think the the wildest one was Green Bay is 14-point favorites over Jacksonville at home.
2: Yeah. Saw that.
0: Yeah. That one, I was like, whoa, that is a lot. And I know the Bills are two-point favorites going out to Arizona. Look, that's going to be a tough one. I don't want to even have any smoke with that one. So, for mine, though, for my lock, and Tennessee is one-and-a-half point favorites over uh, Indianapolis. I usually hate picking Thursday night games. I do, and I usually go against picking division games. But Tennessee is definitely one-dimensional, and Derrick Henry saw what Baltimore did to that uh, Indianapolis defense last week. Uh Uh-huh. I think he's going to have a field day this week. Probably. And hopefully Phillip Rivers does a better job trying to tackle because everybody's seen that one stat. Yeah. Or the highlight there, if yeah. you can call it a highlight. So that being said, I'd like the Titans one and a half, and we'll kind of have to wait and see. Obviously – our, our pick'em league on Yahoo is kind of getting a little separation. I don't mean to pat myself on the back a little bit, but yours truly is taking first place. Coach Duffy is in second, um, only behind by four points. Vinny's up there with 67. Colby Max there with 65. JVD is there at 64 points. Uh, obviously misses Coach Duffy. AKA trophy wife is at 63 and three fat nerds is tied at 63 as well. So definitely still anybody's game there.
2: Let's say I was doing good until the four o'clock game set. And then I got eviscerated.
0: I had a good one o'clock stretch. No,
2: I did too. Uh, My one o'clock stretch. I only got, uh, what is it? Like two wrong two like two or three wrong. Then the four o'clock set and I just got eviscerated.
0: Yeah. And and I went against my Cardinal rule too, which is I never bet or never take the Steelers as the favorites. Yeah. And I did, and I was like, I was sitting there watching, like, ah, oh. and then it hit me what day what week it was. Yeah. It's just something with me going out to Vegas as many years as I have. So usually I would always go this time of year. And Pittsburgh never covers as a favorite. Never does this
2: week. Well, I mean, at least the one year was because Bieber.
0: Yeah. Bieber. That being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH podcast is that of Brian Wolfe. Now, Pat, do you know what Brian's doing Wednesdays now?
2: Uh, he's on live on Facebook, isn't he? Yes,
0: he's doing his Patreon concerts on Facebook. So if you want him to play something, obviously you obviously got to head over to his Patreon, and you can request some stuff. I know he has blocked me because I wanted him to play some Nickelback. I was just
2: asking to ask that.
0: Oh, yeah. There's a long story behind that that maybe Brian will tell on air at some point. we got to get him back in here for that. Um, but if you want to find out everything going on with him, shout out the Robots. Floodland, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, all the great bands you hear on the ODPH podcast, you check on over at the music section at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. You can also check out the directory, which has friends of the show, all the amazing pod groups we are in, organizational links to Black Lives Matter, and so much more, all under one-stop shop with parlay points, which I got some stuff I'm working on. I don't want to reveal it just yet, but we're going to bring that back in a big way by year's end. All of that, and like I said, so much more at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. That's all I got for this week.
2: So for the one and only Padawan J. Uh, if anyone has a giant life-size cutout of Charlie Weiss or John Calipari, uh, Coach Duffy would like to have a conversation with you. I
0: would love to have a conversation with you too. Oh, my God. If we can have that in here, I'll put that in the studio. And we'll put that on Twitch. <gasps> all right, listeners, you have your homework assignments this week. Let us know what you got. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Dural Parlay Hour. See you next time.